Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, what's happening? Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast. Yes, my voice is fucked. And yes, I have recorded this fucking intro 15 times and then listened back and gone, I hate it. And there's nothing I can do about it. My voice isn't going to fucking fix itself, so stop. Hi. Uh, I don't know what's happening to my voice. Here's my speculation. I it was This weekend was the first hardcore three-day weekend in the car, three days in a row. And I think sitting in the air conditioning and breathing that in might have fucked up my vocal cords because I'm not sick. It's just that my throat got fried and I can't explain why. So I've been eating lozenges all, all day and that's these lozenges. You can hear them right now. <laughs> the uh, They are Fontis green apple throat lozenges uh, with Manuka honey from our good friend, Philip, who's a listener to this show and sent them to me for Christmas. Well, I finally have uh, cause to use them, which is good. So I've been gobbling those today. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about this week. You know, I'm on a plane. Uh, I'm recording this on Sunday. So I'm on a plane tomorrow, Monday, or you're hearing this on Monday. So you're, you're whatever the fuck. I, I fly to Canada this week. Planning on doing a show, a podcast this week in Canada, and then I'll do a live show at some point, either this week or next week. When I say live show, I mean, I'll record it live with people, but then it'll still go up like a regular podcast. Um but that said, I'm not sure, you know, again, you hear my fucking voice. So <laughs> this week might not be the best week to do a live show. It could literally just be me going, hey, how you doing? Here's another short intro and enjoy this slice of my fucking past. Um, this throwback episode, although I can't call it a throwback episode because I get in trouble and I get yelled at and I can't call it a rerun because then I don't even like the term rerun. That sounds fucked. Um, what could we call it? An encore presentation? Let's do that. Let's call it an encore presentation. Um you know, remember last week's show, it was, if you did not get to listen, uh, to listen to it yet, it's a spoiler episode about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is the Quentin Tarantino movie that is out now. Uh, I've seen it three times, and uh, if you heard the episode, you know how I feel. I'm not going to spoil anything here or tell you how I feel. Go see it, and then listen to the episode, the spoiler episode, and see what you think. Also, I did a comedy film nerd spoiler episode, and also I should tell you this, I teased last week that I was going to do a rock solid podcast do about the soundtrack with Pat, and it turned out that got bumped. So I'm not going to be able to record that until I get home from Canada which is at least two weeks from now. And then that's only if Pat has a window. And, uh, you know, again, it's, he's, that dude is crazy efficient. He's got a bunch of shows banked already. And I, I just, it just didn't work with our schedules. So eventually we'll get to it. Uh, but right now what we're going to do, folks, everybody who's uh, lovely and talented like yourselves, uh, like I said, I'll be in Canada this week. And I'm, I'm assuming my voice will fix in the next day, miraculously, uh, miraculously, I think. Um, but, it, you know, we'll see what happens. But either way, I'll, I'll, you'll get something from me later in the week. But I wanted to put up this bonus episode. I mentioned it last week on the show as a companion piece. Now, I heard people, they were like, where's the, where's the companion piece? Where's the other episode? I'm like, fuck, I, I was waiting till Monday because that podcast came out on Thursday and I, I, I never know how people digest or consume podcasts. Like some people put it off for fucking weeks. Some people listen immediately. So I didn't want to put it up on Friday because Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's kind of death for podcasts and it gets lost in the shuffle. So I figured I would start off your week. Look at that. I gave you Thursday. I gave you the, the spoiler episode about once upon a time in Hollywood. Also my comedy film nerds appearance went up on a Friday. So you got me all weekend listening to that kind of stuff. And today we will bring you this encore presentation. That's right. I'm going to settle nicely into calling it that of an episode 
from uh, year three of this podcast. That's right, fucking year three, 2010 is when, actually August 29th of 2010. So we're looking at nine years ago this month, this episode is recorded. It was actually episode 23 of year three. Uh, my good friend Lily Von Stupp used to produce this show and she produced a burlesque show called Monday Night Tees at the Three Clubs on Santa Monica at Vine. And she put on a burlesque show called Inglorious Burlesque. And it had a bunch of people doing fucking Tarantino-based acts, which was great. And then, inexplicably, it was a huge hit. And inexplicably, somehow, it found its way through the uh, through the ether. It found its way through the grapevine to our good friend Quentin Tarantino, who heard about it and went, fuck, I got to see that. So he had his people contact Lily, and he literally bought out a theater, paid for everybody to come and put the show on for him and a private party with him and invited guests. And I don't want to spoil it. I've already spoiled enough probably by giving you that premise. But uh, those of you who've listened to the show for as long as you have know I already did this. But here's an episode that encapsulates everything. I think the experience from the first time we did it all the way to the show itself. Um, And if it doesn't, feel free to write me with any questions and yell at me. That'd be totally fine. (laughs) But this is from episode, uh, this is episode 23 from year three of this podcast. Uh, It was initially called, it was aired, like I said, 829.10. And uh, if you haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you should go see it and then we can talk about that. But if you've seen any of his other movies, you will relate to this podcast, which is, uh, like I said, August 29th of 2010, episode 23, year three. And it was originally called Hurricane of Happy. Listen to me, motherfucker. I'm talking, 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 talking. I say horrible things sometimes because I think they're funny. My my podcast is a verbal mosh pit because it's just me pinwheeling around. You don't know where the fuck I'm going to wind up, and I, I generally have no idea what's when it's going to end or start. I'm responsible for this whole goddamn thing. I want a little respect from you people. Hey, what's happening, Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast? That was uh, Lily Von Stupp touching my nose and starting things up. There, she's wooing. Uh, I've been here. It's now uh, 5:40 uh, p.m. Uh, West Coast time, and uh, I'm I'm. Uh, it's funny. I wanted to go to the Phillies today, but I did not. I uh, I went to the Phillies Monday. I went and saw the Phillies and the Dodgers Monday, and that was a whiff. It was a fucking the Phillies got one hit. It was boring and horrible. I was disappointed. Uh, and then they win the next two days when I was going to go, and I I did not go. But uh, maybe that's why. Maybe they're like, hey, look, Schmidt's not here. Let's go ahead and fucking step it up a notch. And I'm like, fantastic. I don't care. You know what? If you want to keep winning, I'll never come. I don't care if that's if my, if the key to you winning is me staying out of the park. And uh, by the way, folks, I recognize sports mean nothing. Um, <laughs> as I've been taunted over and over by people in emails and fucking Facebook. People keep saying, whenever I talk about the Phillies or I Twitter about them or whatever, I'm excited. And people are like, oh, I thought sports meant nothing. And I'm like, yeah, they don't really. But I mean, when your teams are good, they mean something, right? Don't they? Which means that my football season is not going to mean anything, folks, because <laughs> the Chicago Bears are not doing well. And look, it's exhibition season. Nobody cares. But you know who it is? It's a bunch of guys. It's me. It's a bunch of me's out there in jerseys right now trying to make the team. They don't even play. Like, what, during the regular season, they'll play the real guys, and hopefully they'll do well. But in the preseason, it's a bunch of fucking slobs like me in wearing prime numbers and then about to get cut. That's it. That's that's what that's what preseason football is. What a fucking waste. I can't believe they play four preseason games. If I had to go, I went to one preseason game. Oh, well, you know what? This, this actually, I'll tell you this. I went to one pre. <laughs> How stupid was that? The worst build up ever. You know what? I'll tell you this. Why was there a beat? Uh, I went to one preseason game in my life. I saw the Chicago Bears, and I saw them take on the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, uh, who are you pointing at? I hit the 
Oh, you punched it. She's punching a punching wall. That's our friend that lives on Shub. She's the producer. We'll hear from her later. <laughs> because I got here at like 410, and uh, this is my first time seeing her. I saw her this weekend. Uh, we did something together Sunday. And uh, uh, that w- and now I'm, this is my first time seeing her. Um, I got her to come off of her cloud and join me for this week's <laughs> podcast. And uh, and now, like I said, it's like 545, and, uh, and she's here, and we're going to discuss uh, Sunday later. Um, because we, I don't know, I, I mentioned, you may have seen it on our Facebook pages. We, we were together Sunday for something. All right. So, uh, is that what I, is that my lot in podcasting life now from now on is I'm going to be the guy who teases. I'm the teaser. I'm the podcast teaser. Cause last week, podcast teaser. yeah, that's you. Oh, shake it up. Uh, la- cause last week I did that where I was like, I did something over the weekend. I, uh, I kept hinting about San Francisco because here's why I don't want it. Cause that's the main story. Folks, look, I have broken up my podcast into acts. <laughs> I am stupid. I'm nothing if not a writer at heart. Uh, but uh, which reminds me, uh, one time I saw. Uh, uh, no, I, I can't tell that story. All right, so uh, I'll get in trouble. So I, I, how funny! And the thing is, whenever I do that, people always write and they go, "What the fuck couldn't you tell us? Like you tell us everything, and then you'll always hold back on something and go, and, and you'll say oh, I'll get in trouble if I say that. What the fuck could it be? Trust me. All right, and nothing. I wouldn't get in trouble. It's just look, I've done enough stupid shit. My mouth's gotten me in enough trouble. All right, folks, that's that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say at this point. Th- there's a reason I don't work with anybody. Okay, that should be a bottom line statement, and that should cover and blanket everything that comes from here to eternity. Uh, and by the way, I don't work with Burt Lancaster either. All right, so. <laughs> You know, because because uh, I you know why? Because I told them they were like, oh, we'll lay in the surf and we'll make out. And I said, I don't think so. Why don't you stand up and do it? Why don't you just bang around a lava rock? That'd be perfect. <laughs> and they said, you're fired. And then I transported in the time machine up here to the 90s. Uh, well, it's not the 90s. It's the 2000s, uh, 2010. All right. <laughs> the hell was I talking about? <laughs> I don't even remember. Um, oh, I, uh, I football. But there was something after that. Oh, po- oh, my act in podcasts. Here, here, All right, yeah, podcast. I'm an idiot, folks. Here's why. Because if you at last week's show, uh, by the way, a two-hour opus, and uh, so good, uh, I think. I didn't listen to it. I uh, <laughs> I am now four weeks behind. I can't, because there are other things. I couldn't listen to the other shows because I was concentrating on the one man, and then the one man came along, and I was like, yay, the one man. And I've been trying to dick around with that. I haven't listened to those either. I haven't listened to that audio. Uh, I sent it off to the guy in New York. I sent it to the... Uh, Without listening to it? Yes. That's well, I mean, it is what it is. It's not going to change. What am I going to do? Am I going to sweeten it with better jokes? I mean, it, it turned out, seriously. You learned good ones. Yeah, I, I learned good jokes. I got to learn some jokes. Um, but Saturday's show was, I mean, honestly, it's this ridiculous triumph. I mean, it's never going to be any better than it was. Um, although I'm uh, I'm finding out it wasn't a one-man show. But other than that, uh, I'm hearing from I'm hearing from the masses. Uh, and, and good, because that's what I need. I need, that's what I'm saying, there's... Uh, again, like I mentioned, my mouth uh, won't allow me to work with people. Uh, well, there there are some people who f- foolishly continue to involve themselves with me. <laughs> and uh, those people have been very, very cool with their feedback and sending me what they think. Uh, but here's the thing. is I uh, this, this relates to what I'm talking about, how my podcast is in acts. Uh, what I like to do is in the beginning of the podcast, uh, I like to talk about nothing. I think you may have noticed that, folks. <laughs> because it's like I don't want to have a – because if there's like a main thing I'm going to talk about, it'll come later – uh, I'll try to avoid it on purpose, and that's why I usually wind up talking in circles in the beginning because otherwise I would launch right into the main point. Like, like if you and and maybe that would be best, honestly. <laughs> when you think about it, we would save a forty minutes a week if I would just not fucking talk it like a fucking banana head over and goddamn over. If I just if I started the podcast and it was like a news report, and I was like, "Thank you, I'm Mike Schmidt." Here now, this story about a burlesque show. I mean, like. <laughs> And then I did that. We'd all be out of here in fucking 25 minutes. Boom. Done. I'd be home. I'd watch Top Chef. I'd write the blogs and go to bed. That would be perfect. 
Uh, but instead, it's this. It's this fucking, uh, uh, you know, it's, I'm a goddamn talking maypole. That's what I am. It's like, you know, constantly walking and twisting and walking and twisting and walking and twisting. And then we make a nice ribbon pattern on the pole and everybody enjoys it. And then we all put on white and we have a picnic. And then Monty Python shoots us and we bl- start bleeding like it's a Sam Peckinpah picnic. All right, so... Um, <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. It's just this where I talk. So uh, it's podcasting acts. My first act is uh, the ramp up. I like to I like to talk about nothing because it. You know what? This is the stretching. Ah, you know, like if my podcast was a workout, if I was Jack the Lane and I was going to fucking tow a train car with my mouth, then this would be the beginning part where I chewed a bunch of jerky and got strong in the jaw. All right, so that's uh, that's what the opening of this show is. This is the jerky chewing aspect of the podcast, folks. This is the segment where I chew jerky and get my jaw strong, and then I will soon I will tow a train car eventually with my mouth. I love Jack Lane. I you know why I love Jack Lane because it's like literally this guy's been famous forever. You know because he was one of the first. Because here's why. Because old people don't let shit go. All right, old people will not let shit go. Jack Lane was famous back in the days when. All they put on television was an old man doing push-ups. <laughs> I want to hit something that made me laugh so much. <laughs> the early days of television, that's what they were. It was Milton Berlin addressed and an old guy doing fucking pull-ups. The end. <laughs> and then a fucking test pattern with an Indian head and goodnight. <laughs> and, and the nation went to bed at 6 o'clock. <laughs> Holy shit, that, that man in entertainment suck. All right, and now we got this. Now we got a fucking goofball. Literally, they had a half hour of an old man doing pull-ups, and now we got an idiot who talks for two hours on a goddamn fake radio show. We have come no further. Holy shit. I should just do pull-ups. <laughs> when you think about it, how stupid was TV? TV's horrible. How did it survive? How the fuck did it survive? Because people were so dumb. They had nothing else to do. Literally. They're going to go to ice cream parlors and eat vanilla and then come home and take off their black clothes and sleep in their white beds because they lived a goddamn colorless life. And they liked it. The only color in their life was drinking out of the wrong fucking drinking fountain across town. Holy shit. TV was so fucking horrendous. Not that it's any better. Now we get fucking, you know, some woman fucking squeezed eight kids out of her vagina and we give her a goddamn 12-episode commitment. Done. But holy shit, in the old days, it was an old man doing goddamn sit-ups. And people watched it. People tuned in all the goddamn time. And that guy's still famous. Why is he famous? Why? Because of his lung capacity? Holy shit. Leave this old guy to die. Honestly. No one gives a shit that you're towing a plane, old man. Take off your jumpsuit and rest. It's been a hundred years. It's been a hundred years of you doing fucking pull-ups on my television. Stop. I don't want to buy your goddamn juicer. I don't want the secret to eternal life if it means I have to fucking do entertain the masses by doing fucking hi yas <laughs> oh, Jesus. This guy's doing leg lifts and he's famous for fucking 90 years. Kill Jack LaLanne. Somebody do me a favor and kill him. Holy shit, find him. And you know what? I recognize the danger. I recognize that that's an old man who's in shape and you can't sneak up on him because he's, he's got a year, year's worth of training of keeping his head on a swivel because I'm sure there's been many assassination attempts on Jack LaLanne over the years. But he is fending them off. I picture Jack Lane in his jumpsuit walking around flexing and just catching arrows and bullets and chasing the guys who are trying to kill him. <laughs> TV was horrendous. It's like they always, there's an old joke about who was the first guy to eat an egg. Who was the first people to watch TV? They turn it on and there's an old man doing goddamn fucking sit-ups and they're like, I'm in. Done. Let's leave it out. Because they were so fascinated to see moving sh- 
pictures. I mean, and also they were tired of hearing the fucking shadow fight the same guy every week on the radio. And believe me, I love old time radio, but I recognize how horrendous it is. Whenever you hear it, like I said, it's never because now we see movies and it's always these worldwide global conspiracies and there, there might be nuclear war and then Batman's going to fight somebody. You listen to those shows. Batman is fighting a bank robber. Or, or a guy who, like, you know, uh, was plotting to, like, poison the water supply of a small town. It's like <laughs> these the small-minded crimes that they had back for the old radio shows. Or there's always these mystery shows where someone's blackmailing a, a cousin and then they're going to kill their aunt. It's like, dude, fuck, can't we, can we just expand the radio show out of the living room, please? Can we go ahead? But I guess that's how they had to make it. They had to make it small for people who were listening because those people were in their living room and they had to relate. So now, because we have the internet and we're all connected worldwide and we can see what's happening globally, we need movies that connect on a global global scale and also their marketing overseas and i listen folks here is my this is me telling you about show business i'm convincing myself why this is a good idea that's what it is holy shit <laughs> hold on a second hold on i'm actually you know what i am i'm gonna do a push-up hold on hold on i'm doing fucking pu- all right i just did a push-up folks there take that i'm, uh, I'm the jacqueline podcasting all right <sighs> fuck and that actually hurt because I worked out yesterday and I, I, my fucking, uh, my trainer guy with Rocky with a blog, I did a push up. I don't fuck around. Um, but he's got me doing like this. Fuck, oh man, my warm up dude. Look, I'm, I'm old and I'm out of shape. Uh, as I, apparently I'm winded from doing one push up. But, uh, uh, but yesterday he had me doing uh, the warm up he has me do is I'm just doing like squats. And then I and put so it's like I start with like one squat and then ten push-ups and then two squats and nine push-ups and then three squats and eight push-ups and look that doesn't sound like much but when you're squatting like fucking three three bills or whatever the fuck I'm sporting these days then you got to go to push dude fuck because it winds up being like you know fifty push-ups and and uh, fifty or fifty or hundred squats I don't know I don't know math <laughs> oh man that Lelaine thing made me laugh but he's still around how did I even get on that what was I gonna talk about he was doing something I uh. Fuck, how did I get the Jack Lane? I want to know because I had a point. I had a goddamn point. Uh, there were podcast acts where I do the ramp up in the opening, where I do the 20 minutes, I said. Uh, and then I tell the main story. Fuck, I'm lost. I'm dead. I can't even figure it out. There was something else. There was a, what was the Rosetta Stone of this entire thing? There was some, there was one like touchstone that really branched off this entire discussion. Football. Football. Football, that's what it was. All right, so... Uh, uh, <laughs> Fuck! I would. God damn it! You know what? I could make that Lelaine thing a lot funnier. I could, but I couldn't. I couldn't control myself there. I was like, I was. I just thought it was so stupid that he was fucking on television for doing. And he's still on. That's the thing. He's got this fucking juicer. He's trying to sell me. And he's this old crotchety man. And it's like, but oh, that's what it was. Old people never let anything go. Old people never let anything go. Uh. uh so why did? I, but why was that the point? What was I getting to? God damn it! I fucking hate myself. Man, it was it was the fact that old people don't let anything go because that was the whole, and it's so funny when I talk about how people were fascinated by moving pictures. Yeah, I mean, uh, you ever hear that story about the old the first movie had a train and people ran out of the theater because they were freaked out? You ever hear that yeah. story? That can't be right, right? I mean, people were we were people retarded back then? Is that like if you're sitting in a room and you see a flat surface and a train is coming and I I, I mean I guess you're freaked, out, but you you see there's no tracks in the theater, right? Don't you see that? <laughs> And I get these, you know, these are the kind of people who are, you know, eating, eating what they hunted and trading for pelts. I mean, I guess it was back then, right? Well, no, it's not. Well, that's like the 1700s. or No, that's the 1800s. It was the night. Well, I don't know when the first movie was. When was the first movie? 
You gonna look it up? <laughs> look, folks, that's what my show's become. It's now it's a uh, it's a googling exercise where we just find out when the first movie came out. The bottom line is, old people don't let anything go, and that's why Jack Delaney's been famous forever. And that's why you know that's why when they'll retire some guy who's like you know ninety five years old, like you know Bob Barker, and everybody's like, oh, I can't believe Bob Barker's leaving. I, it's not honestly it's not important please don't don't look no one cares 1891 1891 okay and uh well i mean and there was still slavery then right <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know if there was look folks again this podcast is not a history lesson um <laughs> you know what it is actually it is it's a history lesson about me that's all it is it's not about real life this is a history this whole podcast is literally a history lesson about mike schmidt uh, and and I hope you're paying attention because there will be a quiz. Uh, <laughs> what if I did? I sent out like a fucking trivia quiz, like those Facebook quizzes. Uh, by the way, I love saying the fact that you and I have been, we were on, I'm sure if you looked at our Facebooks, you know what we did this weekend. I'm like, oh, I'm 40. You're 40. Couple of fucking idiots. Hey, I hope you looked at our Facebooks. Retarded. All right. Oh, man. All right. So I'm sorry. I just, I. <laughs> We, I know, no, we're still in the stretch. That's what it is. That's right. This is the stretching phase. This is the uh, the limbering up phase, and then uh, and then the bulk of the show is the actual workout. So like in the beginning, we're stretching. Now we're getting loose. We're getting limber because that's what I like to do. I like to keep it that way, and and uh, and then move forward. And then there might be a story that I'll tell later, or a main story, or I'll stumble into it. And uh, uh, you know, but but in the opening, there's no. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna say, as evidenced by th- this this opening. I don't even know why I recant this or re- recap this. I should say um, because people are are. You know, people who listen, my audience does not grow. Literally, people who listen, listen. That's it. I know, uh, technically it's growing, but those people don't stick around. <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, people who listen to this, that you know, they, they hear me do this, and they, they listen every week because they like when I do this. But then the other people just check the fuck out because they're, uh, you know, they're sitting there and they make their judgments and then they bail. But, uh, but I always speak, like, as if I, I do two different things. I speak like <laughs> these people know me. I always speak to the audience as if they've been with me forever and they understand the in-jokes. And if I were to say, you know, uh, Monday and the Suzuki Samurai, they would all go, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fuck. I've never told that on here, have I? I don't think so. No. I, you know what? I told that on, uh, on, oh, I should tell that story. All right, folks, that's in the, that's in the hopper at some point. That'll get told. Awesome. Uh, sure. Yeah, look at you. You have no idea what it is either. No, um, but then, so, but, all right, so if I were to say, you know, whenever I, I say the 7-Eleven story or say something, people, I, I figure everybody knows what the fuck I'm talking about because I'm that arrogant that I think people would have an understanding of who I am and what I've done. Uh, but, but then there are new people, so then I'll always say stuff like, well, this is like, do I talk in circles? And I, like, I, because I feel like I guess I need to clarify for them at some point, as if, as if they didn't know that I talk in circles <laughs> from listening to me fucking almost literally, uh, uh, come in my pants over a Jack LaLanne joke that I came up with. Holy shit, was that funny. Uh, just the idea of it, just this, this stupid, ridiculous, uh, you know, where you're just like, oh, no, that's not right. Is that real? That's real, right? It was an old man doing push-ups, and people watched it. God damn it, it's great. He's still famous. All right, because old people are stupid. Because, again, old people and old people aren't stupid, all right? But they old people find comfort in what they, they used to know. So that's why old people, you know, watch fucking, they, they were pissed when Bob Barker left, and they eat fruit cup. That, that, that's why, because <laughs> when they were little, they ate Salisbury steak and fruit cup, and they watched fucking Bob Barker. That was it. Done. Johnny Carson's dead, and they're like, eh, you know what I mean? Like, their old people are sad uh, because they see their mortality slipping away which eat, with each television host's retirement. It's brutal. Like, when I do, when fucking John Stewart and Stephen Colbert, when, like, they leave, I'm going to be like, oh, dude, I'm, well, dude, fuck that. I'm old anyway. I, 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 did I tell you this? I told you. I didn't know if I said it on the show. About Ilya Kovalchuk. Did I talk about him? Dude, there's a hockey player named Ilya Kovalchuk. 
he's a free agent, and the New Jersey Devils were going to sign him. So they signed him to some gimmicky fucking backloaded weird trick contract that the NHL is trying to ban. And they signed him to a 17-year deal. And I was like, fuck, Ilya Kovalchuk's going to be with the Devils for 17 years? You know, most hockey careers don't run 17 years. I go, so he's, and I always do this when I hear a number. I'll hear a contract number or whatever, or, or someone will say he signed through this or signed through that year. And I immediately just go, oh, well, fuck, well, that's what year is that? So I said, 17 years, boy, that's 2027. And they go, how old will I be? 60. Let that sink in. I'll be 60 in 17 years. I'm closer to death than I am to high school. Holy God. And I understand that's a general theme of the show, is that I can't understand where it's all going. And why it's going so fast and why I've done nothing with it. But man, was that sobering. That was a, that was a cold fucking bucket of, of virtual water in my face. As I sat there and looked at ESPN.com, it said 17 years. I go, oh, that's no, 2027. I'll be fucking 60. <laughs> Holy God. They always say cradle to the grave. I'm on the the of that sentence. <laughs> I, I am. I am. I've skipped from cradle to, and I am standing firmly on the H in the, ready to do a fucking half gainer into grave. Jesus, am I ready to die? Seven, and I mean, and he's still gonna be playing hockey. Like he's signing a guy. He's like, hey, I'm gonna be with the New Jersey Devils in sixty years or in seventeen years. Really, I'm gonna be fucking dead probably. I don't know. Uh, if, if I keep doing push-ups on the air, I might wind up fucking crapping out. I used to always think I was gonna die at fifty-four. Did I ever tell you that? That was always my deal. I even told Karen when we first met. I was like, I don't know if you want to get involved with me. I'm gonna be dead when I'm fifty-four. I don't know why. It was like always a thing that I had. It was like when I rooted for plane crashes as a kid. It was just I always had this thing. I had I had dreams and several dreams when I was a kid that I would be dead at the age of fifty-four. I don't know why. And, and that was even before my dad fucking bailed and died. You know what I mean? Like I I just I assumed that I had that mortality thing happening. I don't know why. I've always fifty-four has always been my number. So uh, you know. 11 years, folks. <laughs> I got 11 years to make this work. Tell your friends to get on board with this goddamn show so I can at least celebrate the epilogue of my life. <laughs> let's let's get people on board, folks. They have to hear me talk until I die. And if I, by the way, if I'm doing this show in fucking by when I'm 54, I deserve to be dead. <laughs> That'll be a self-fulfilling fucking prophecy at that point if I'm sitting here doing a goddamn podcast. Although, podcasts may be the way of the future. And you know what? I should look at this because, again, old people, don't. that's going to work in my favor eventually because all the people who are listening to me now as we go through the years and I do my podcast for the next fucking 25 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, terrible. I'll be 68. What if I'm doing a podcast at 68? And the people who are listening now will be listening and they'll be like, ah, he can't go away because that's all they've known. They've known me doing podcasts forever. That's it. Huh? Yeah, me, me. Talk, oh, if I'm talking about my cock at 68, forget about it. At 68, I'll have to tie it into a fucking knot around my leg like a goddamn holster in an 1800s western. You'll be telling Viagra stories. No, fuck that. No, I, I no Viagra. I'm just gonna. I, I, I won't have health care at 68. Now that Karen's not working and I'm not working, you know what my Viagra will be? Five popsicle sticks and four rubber bands. Done. That's it. That's what's. That's what's gonna get me fucking hard, folks. My goddamn cock's gonna be a fucking craft project. I'm going to have to go straight up origami. I'm going to have to put fucking popsicle sticks around it, fucking rubber bands, and then and then a condom to, like, fool her into thinking that's what it is so it's smooth at least. Jesus, that's awful. Oh, yeah. All right. I should just quit today, right now. Not quit forever, but quit this show because how am I going to be funnier than Lane? Jesus, I almost, I almost ran up. Literally, I almost did Arsenio Hall and ran out of the house. 
like like a that was black guy funny to me. Seriously, that was crazy black guy funny. Where I almost stood up and ran. You know how when black guys think something is so great, they're just like, oh, no way, and they run away? Like, that's awesome. How great is that reaction? That's the best reaction in the world. I, I To me, that's almost better than laughing your, you know, and, and crying. I laugh till I cry, and I do it a lot, where I'll just fucking be laughing at something so much, it makes my eyes water, and I'm like, holy shit, that's funny. But it's even funnier to just go, Jesus, that was hysterical, and run away and never come back. How great is that reaction? Dude, that was so funny, I'm leaving. <laughs> what you just said was so fucking great I'm taking off and then you get in your car and you think about it and you're like Jesus was that funny <laughs> man is that a great response but, you know, because black guys do like somersaults and all that bullshit when they think something's hilarious like on Def Jam but literally you'll see a guy stand up and like do a circle and sit down oh god damn is that funny you are truly enjoying yourself if something makes you leap up and do a dance god damn is that great I want to be that excited about anything Actually, I was about Lelaine. I literally was. Like, I, what did I do? I looked around for shit to grab and hit. Like, that weird, like, oh, dude, that's it. Done. I'm seriously the funniest man on earth, and no one can fucking argue with me otherwise. No one can change my mind about the fact that what I just said was fucking hysterical. God damn it. It's like the Dr. Laura thing I said last week. When that came out of nowhere, I'm like, oh, dude, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. I want to run. I want to run. Damn it. That's what I want to do. Are we going to do this podcast on the road so, or with, like, a long cord? So when I say something funny, I can just do a goddamn sprint. Well, like, tie in my working out. You know what? I am the fucking Jack Delane of podcasting. You're listening to The 40-Year-Old Boy. And later, what the fuck happened to Kathleen Turner? Hosts EJ and Joaquin talk about how a 1980s exclamation point became a 2000s question mark. I mean, that's what I thought. I mean... I heard it. I heard that she had gone in for Botox, you know, and on on accident. Like, yeah, they accidentally injected her with uh, Satan. They shot her with Satan. Yeah, well, like what does that do? It How possesses does that? you. You get possessed, and your face. You ever see Linda Blair in The Exorcist? Her face got all puffy, uh-huh. and and her voice got real deep, and that's what happened to Kathleen Turner. And so they they gave her Satan in her face. Yeah, she got Satan instead instead of Botox. Huh? I heard she swallowed the moon. The whole moon? Yeah, well, it doesn't make sense because I go out there outside and it's it's up in the sky. But, but I mean, if uh, you think about it, I mean, it, it could make sense. How would she get up there? What the fuck happened to Kathleen Turner? Find out on What the fuck happened to Kathleen Turner on the Mike Schmidt Podcasting Network. So her head's made of cheese. It dawns on me that there was a story I was telling about football. <laughs> <laughs> I always hear from Max. He's like, dude, you know, the, the he has a problem listening to the show because he said it's like this weird balancing act of like, oh, I'm spinning plates and he's hoping none of them fall down and smash. And he's hoping I'll always remember to come back to the first plate because he goes, dude, there's a lot of times that you'll start something and then you you completely miss it like you and you leave and you go somewhere else. And that's why I was so obsessed in the first act because now he's got me thinking about it. Like, And again, I haven't listened to the last four weeks, so I don't know how many times I did it. I'm sure I did it a bunch of times. Um, but that was uh, that was one of his main concerns with the one man when I was bouncing stuff off of him for the one man. Uh, and it was, it was my main concern as well uh, until I told you that um, I had that listener... Uh, I, I remember I got a lot of feedback from you guys about the one man. And a lot of people told me what they should have thought. You know, I'm sorry to recap this again. This is for new people. Hi, new people who may be here. <laughs> <laughs> Although, let's be honest. Remember how I said I should tell jokes and then so, it'd be so funny I run away? They just ran away. They, like they, they're not even concerned with the funny part of it. They literally, they, they heard me talking, dropped their iPods and ran from them wherever they were. They were in a strip mall. They were in a car. They just put it. They put their iPod down and ran away from it. Uh, because they, they, they thought there was a fucking, like a funny poltergeist and they had to avoid it. All right. 
because uh, that's what I am, folks. I'm I'm uh, I'm a funny ghost. All right, so uh, Max's concern about the one man was that I would lose people by bouncing around, and I was like, uh, well, I don't think that'll be the case. But then when I thought about it, yeah, I guess so, because it would be, you know, when I talk, it's nerve wracking for uh, for normal people, I suppose. I mean, I, I you know, if you're used to me, you know what I'm doing. Uh, but if you don't know what I'm doing, all of a sudden I start talking about football, and then I'm talking about Jack Lane, and then I, you know, I'm, and you're like, why the? Wait a minute, what the fuck? Aren't you gonna finish the football thing? And more often than not, I think I do get back and finish the things I'm supposed to finish. Uh, although I still haven't told the story about me hunting snakes when I was a kid that I started <laughs> nine podcasts ago <laughs> because Larry Swick got beat up by uh, uh, Frank Machuda. All right, so. Again, new people, go back and listen to uh, certain episodes. Uh, go listen to the last four. I understand they're good. I've been told. <laughs> I haven't been able to listen to them yet because I've been very busy with a cram session for other things. All right, so uh, so Max was worried that my bouncing around would freak people out, and they, they would be sitting there. Instead of enjoying the show, they would be completely tense and going, is he going to fucking finish talking about that thing he was talking about? And uh, I felt that way, too, uh, to some extent. But then a listener uh, wrote me, and I, I won't say her name because who knows if she wants the fame, uh, but I will tell you that she lives on the East Coast. And she wrote me after the one man with, like, a like an I told you so your uh, thing. And I'm like, really? Okay, well. Uh, but uh, but she's uh, but good for her. She was right because she was the one who provided me with the writing breakthrough that made me go, you know what? Uh, fuck this. I don't have to do what other people say. Um and now I did my show, and it was fantastic. I thought. I thought it was great. And then I sent it off for feedback from a couple of people who need to be involved. And I found out that I need to do a normal show. Uh, <laughs> I've been told that uh, that I need to uh, rein it in. Which I knew. Because, I mean, dude, the show was two hours, two and a half hours. I, I mean, two hours and 15 minutes if you took out the stand-up ramp-up. Which was, like I said, how my podcast is in acts. Well, I decided to do my one-man show like I do the podcast. So the opening, I did stand-up essentially about San Francisco and talked about stuff and then got into the, the crux of what the one-man show was and then off we went. Um, I did that on Saturday night and it made me more relaxed and it, it led to a two-and-a-half-hour show, which um, I'm assuming from the feedback of the people who were there, people enjoyed. Uh, people wrote me and were very complimentary and very nice about it. I have yet to hear from anybody who didn't like it. Uh, Christine posted her review online. By the way, I screwed up Christine's e uh, email. It was christineetaylor.com. Um, it was on my Facebook page, but christineetaylor.com is where the review was and uh, where eventually an interview with me will be posted. Um, I think it's she was waiting for me to stop talking, so uh, <laughs> I did that just before I went on the air here right now. Uh, because I've been, I've been even sending her like voicemails and psychic messages burrowing into her brain. Because uh, she told me she, when she sat down with her iPod, she's like, I figured you would just uh, talk. Um, did I, I probably covered that in one of the last four shows. All right, I'm dumb. Sorry, folks. Uh, so, what was I talking about? Football. football. Da -da -da -da. Bear down, Chicago Bears. I went to a football game when I was a kid. Uh, the one preseason game I've ever been to in my Oh, this is a lie. I've been to two preseason games. Folks, there's two stories here. All right, so I've been to two preseason games. Uh, the first one I ever went to was in Chicago. Uh, the Chicago Bears took on the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, so you'll, that'll give you an idea of what my age was. I was a young man. Uh, because the St. Louis Cardinals are now the Arizona Cardinals. So anybody who knows football knows what I mean. They moved uh, at a certain time. Uh, so wait, were they the Arizona Cardinals at the time? I don't know, because I still have the ticket stub, and you'll hear why. Uh, I'm in the stands. I'm excited to see uh, uh, them play the Cardinals. And I'm going to right now tell you folks, guess what? I'm wrong. It was the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Here's why, because I I was at a regular season game that was so amazing, and the and the 
Bears played the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, and the Bears wound up beating the St. Louis Cardinals 42-6. to And Walter Payton won the rushing title on the last day of the season because O.J. Anderson got injured by the Bears' defense, and then Walter ran for a ton of yards. And then I ran out on the field and pretended like I was in NFL films, and I put the number one in the air and pointed at the press box. So... That was a game that I went to, and because that was the most amazing game ever, I always think of Bears-Cardinals when I think of a game that I went to. But this preseason game, uh, which I still have the tickets up for, was Bears and Buffalo Bills. Okay? So I'm in the stands, and I had really good seats. I don't know how I got them. One of my mom's drug friends, I'm sure, came through with them. And uh, we're sitting up there, and we're right behind the Bears' sideline. I'm about eight rows up, right around the, the 45, 50-yard line. I mean, they're, they're fucking great seats. But again, it doesn't matter because it's a bunch of me's out there running around in prime numbers. Nobody fucking cares. It's preseason football. Nobody cares, goddammit. You gotta be a real fucking degenerate to go to a preseason game. But the problem is, that's that's a lie. I You know what? I digress again. You have to go to preseason games if you're a fucking season ticket holder because the NFL charges you full fucking price for them. Because if you want to see the real games, you gotta pay for the fucking preseason games. What a goddamn racket. Who's the fucking commissioner of the NFL? Al Capone? What the fuck? How's that reference for you? <laughs> Al Capone. <laughs> you know, he used to watch Jack LaLanne every single day. I don't know if you know this. Capone watched Jack LaLanne when he wasn't hitting guys with a baseball bat or fucking, you know, watching uh, Elliot Ness yell at him. All right, so. <laughs> or ordering the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which unfortunately did not include Jack LaLanne. But let's be honest, I'm glad it didn't. If, if you know what, if the St. Valentine's Day Massacre included Jack LaLanne, we don't have the fun we had in the first act. We don't, we don't have the fun we had during the jerky-chewing-ass uh, portion of this show. I would have never been able to talk about Jack Lane because, uh, you know, while I was chewing jerky in the first 20 minutes, he wouldn't have existed. I wouldn't have been able to get to it. Uh, which means that, you know what, I wouldn't have even called it the jerky-chewing uh, part. Because that only came about because Lane is chewing jerky to keep his mouth uh, limber so he can tow a plane. Oh, boy. All right. <sighs> so, I'm at the Bears. You know, I'm about, ten, you know, like I said, eight rows off the field. Maybe ten rows. Eh, it could be nine. <laughs> but the bears come out on the field and uh we're, we're i'm there super early i mean i'm like like crazy early because i'm like yeah i got a pennant i'm you know i'm very excited uh even though it's preseason football it's august and the bears are there and it, it, to see it up close dude look nfl football is awesome we all know that but uh to be there live and if you're close, like, because I've been fucking nosebleeds, and you're just like, oh, look at those ants chasing each other. I mean, you, then you don't know. You might as well be watching the game from a fucking hovering helicopter. Some of these fucking stadiums, you're know, way up in the goddamn stands. Uh, which, oh, we did that with. We went to a Lakers game one time. Oh man, Karen and I, and uh, it was a Bulls game, Bulls Lakers, and uh, I was like, well, I just bought tickets up top. I mean, I didn't care because again, they're, you know, high prices and, and the, it wasn't the Jordan Bulls. If it's the Jordan Bulls, I try to get as close as possible, but this is the, you know, like this might've been the Jalen Rose Bulls. I mean, it's like fucking no one gives a shit, but I was, I liked the Bulls and I wanted to be in the place. And then there were tickets on Craigslist. So I said, fuck it, let's go. So I went and bought these tickets and, uh, we were, uh, in the Staples center. I, we were outside on the sea. <laughs> And they, they gave us one of those old school corkscrew like handle things like you would you had to drill a, like a peephole through the roof of the building to look at. That's how fucking far up we are. It's pathetic. They they may you know we didn't even have seats. We were suspended in harnesses above center court, hanging from the fucking rafters. That's how high we were. Uh, but we went to that game. We went up, 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 and up, and up, 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 and up. You know escalators which are fine, but then you got to walk up the fucking eighty stairs. And when you're in row triple Z. You got to go through A to Z, double A to double Z, and then double A to triple or triple A to triple Z. I mean, fucking brutal. So we're walking and walking, and we keep walking, and then the first quarter ends, and then we're walking, and uh, 
we stop and we we set up camp for the night. We build a fire. We go ahead and <laughs> we warm up a little bit, get a nap, and then we get up early because we want to go ahead and beat the polar bears. And then we hike some more. Halftime occurs. We find our seats. So uh, we're at the top of the fucking building, and I it literally, Karen, find, I'm not lying to you. We're there ten minutes, ten minutes, and Karen goes, "I have to leave." I said, "Why?" She goes, "I can't. I'm dizzy. I can't watch the game. It's, I can't even focus." Uh, which I don't blame her. She had altitude sickness. I mean, honestly. <laughs> I completely understood it because we are watching the game from the uh, the top of the blimp. We didn't even get into the gondola. We're not even in the blimp's gondola. We're clinging to the top of it like Black Sunday. And and she's like, I got to go. And I'm like, we've been here 10 minutes. I, and she goes, I can't. I can't stay here. We It took longer to get to our seats than it took for us to watch. The, 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 that was longer than the amount of time we watched for the game. And I said, all right. I mean, if you got to go, you got to go. And she she had to close her eyes, which I didn't get. All right, uh, but she I and I walked in front of her. We had to walk down all the steps, and she put her hands on my shoulders like a blind person and closed her eyes so she didn't w- look and see where she, what she was doing and where she was going. And uh, um, so then I, I we went down and I said, "All right, we're here." And then she opened her eyes and we weren't here. I was uh, I only went like one level down. <laughs> no, I'm teething. Uh, and we watched the rest of the game from the concourse. Like we got pizza and watched it on the TVs. I'm eight steps away from Bulls Lakers, and I got to watch it on the TV in the fucking concourse for the fucking price I paid. Uh, but you know, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't blame her because, and you know what, it was a get back for her because uh, we went and saw Bonnie Raitt once, and uh, I got to tell you, when my wife told me we were going to see Bonnie Raitt, I was so excited to think of the many ways I could get out of it. Because <laughs> I don't care. I'm not a Bonnie Raitt guy. I'm not a Bonnie guy. I'm not a Raitt guy. Uh, put them together. I'm out. But I went, and we went to the Pantages Theater in Hollywood, which is a famous theater. And I had been there before. I had seen LL Cool J there with a buddy of mine, Dennis. Uh, but that's a million in a years and a million pounds ago. So we get to the Pantages, and again, it's a small, it's a you know a nice theater. It's you know five thousand seats maybe, uh, and uh, it's old, but it's really in good shape. It's really good. The only thing that they have not fixed would be the seats. These seats are built for. The people who would work out to Jack the Lane every morning. All right, these are the people who would watch Jack the Lane and uh, and do uh, all of their leg lifts and their uh, squat thrusts and their crunches and whatever the fuck they called them back then, and uh, they were in shape so they could fit into a standard theater seat. Well, Fatty Mc feed himself. He he's got no interest in being there, so I don't even want to be there. But then I sit down and I gotta wedge myself into this fucking seat, and uh, uh, it I, you know I'm sitting there and there's like. It's a regular chair, and there's handles, but then there's those holes underneath and stuff, and I'm squeezing out of every hole. I look like you dropped a biscuit roll. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you hit it on the countertop, and it makes that poof noise. That's it. Literally, I'm poofing out. I look like overproof dough. I'm, like, fucking seeping out of the seat, and I'm ruining Karen's night and everybody's night, and everybody's up dancing at Bonnie Raitt, which I don't understand, quite frankly, because who cares? But uh, And I'm just sitting there in the seat, and then finally I go, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go. I have to go to the lobby. And she's like, what? And I go, I'll be, it's okay, I'll be right back. And I went to the lobby, and I was out there for about, I would say, 20 minutes, because I was going to stay in the lobby the rest of the show, because I don't care about Bonnie Raitt, I don't care about seats, uh, I, you know, I just, I just want to fucking, I, I was embarrassing, you know, quite frankly, and also I wasn't having a good time, and I was wedged in, and whatever. So, uh, I was out there for about 20 minutes, maybe a half hour, and then Karen walks out, and she goes, what are you doing? I says, nothing, I'm fine. And she goes, well, come on in and watch the show. And I go, no, I'm, I'm good. I don't, you know, go watch the show. Enjoy it. She's like, well, why don't, why won't you come in? And I go, because I don't fit in the seats. I'm, I'm not, I don't like the music. It's okay. 
And look, I'm making myself sound a little benevolent in this. I might have been a little more pissy about it. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was a little, a little more like, no, it's okay, like more of a victim type of thing. Uh, but then she just goes, all right, well, let's leave. And I go, no, we don't. I don't want to leave. I want you to watch because I genuinely did want her to watch the show. And uh, she's just like, no, I, I can't. I can't enjoy the show if I know you're out here not watching it. Which. That seems a little controlling and weird to me. I mean, go watch the fucking show. What do you care what I'm doing? Who cares? Go and enjoy it. You got you bought a ticket. Go watch it. Uh, so it's just it's just part of our uh, that's our relationship. Unfortunately, we do that uh, a lot. Um, and like I told you, the thing about when we go pick a restaurant, and we're just we're rooting to pick the wrong one so we can be you know oh ha ha. <laughs> so uh, but I I was there and I'm like I can't I can't watch the show and she's like well let's leave and I go I don't want to leave I, you know go watch it and she's like no let we can go so we did we left Bonnie Raitt early. Uh, so then eight years later, she got me back with the fucking Bulls game. <laughs> and uh, we went to the Philly game Monday, and I bought tickets. Uh, in what, All right. The Dodgers. First of all, fuck the Dodgers. They have top deck, okay, which is upper tank. But then they have something called infield reserve. And I'm like, well, I'll buy infield reserve seats. Well, the infield reserve is the upper deck. When you get there, what they consider top deck is just this weird half section just above the press box. It's like the highest one. But then just underneath it, it's the t- it's truly the upper deck. And we were in the upper deck. And we get up there, and Karen's like, I can't, I, I don't want to sit up here. I go, and, and the thing was, I bought first row upper deck. So we had, but the thing was, we had, we're up at, you know, Z. So we got to walk all the way down the steps. And she's just like, oh, I don't, I can't make it. I don't want, I go, all right, well, we'll sit here. I, we'll just sit in Z. And if anybody comes, we'll move. Um, and then finally she came, she went to get a hot dog or whatever. She came back and I go, come on, just come with me down to the, fir- the front row. So we did. We walked all the way down there. And then she sat down. She's like, oh, this is much better. And I'm like, yeah, it's much better. I go, you know, just close your eyes, put your hands on my shoulders, and then we'll fucking Helen Keller you down to the seat. <laughs> so uh, how the fuck did I get on that? All right, so Bulls, Lakers, seats, football, Bears. You were sitting on the 45-row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like eighth row, which is, uh, again, but nobody cares because it's, a, it's an exhibition game. Who cares? I'm there. I'm early. I'm excited. And uh, the Bears come out on the field, and uh, I'm right behind their sideline, and they're doing their workout and they're stretching and all that stuff. And uh, Walter Payton is on the sideline. Walter Payton is uh, the late Walter Payton, the greatest football player who ever lived, quite frankly. And yes, you can take your Jerry Rice and your Joe, whatever. I'll, you can argue with me all day; that's fine. But I grew up watching Walter Payton. Mike Ditka says he's the best football player he's ever seen in his life. That's good enough for me. <laughs> A guy with that mustache would not lie. <laughs> so. Uh, so I see Walter Payton on the sideline, and I'm with uh, I'm with my friend, and I go, uh, and everybody's yelling, Walter, Walter, you know, uh, Walter, and he he doesn't look up, he's on the sideline, and then he kind of gives a cursory wave, he, he smiles and he waves, he's not mean, but he waves at the fans, and everybody's like, Walter, Walter, and I look at my friend and I go, you know what, fuck this, and uh, I run out on the field. What? Uh, I was 16 maybe at the time, uh, 15, I don't know, but uh, I was only eight rows off the field. So uh, I walk down to the steps, and I walk down the steps. I don't run like a crazy person, but I walk, and I approach Walter Payton on the sideline, and his, he's in his bear suit. He's wearing his bear costume, and uh, he's wearing his pads. He's all suited up, and I walk right up to the bear's bench, and I walk over to him, and he's there, and I said, Mr. Payton, and he looked up at me, and I said, can I get an autograph? And he said, absolutely. And he took my ticket stub, and he just signed Walter Payton, and uh, he shook my hand. And uh, he went to give me his headband. He went to take it because he had a headband on. And he went to take it off. And security goes, hold up. And uh, he goes, he's fine. He's fine. 
And uh, I said, thank you so much. I, I can't tell you. I, I'm so excited. I, I, I'm a huge fan. And uh, and he's like, that's okay, thanks. And he shook my hand. And uh, security came over, and they go, and he goes, let him stay. Because security grabbed me by the arm. And Walter Payton goes, let him stay. And they go, all right, back up in the stands. And then they walked me back up, and I got to stay and watch the game. But uh, I walked out onto the Bears' sideline. <laughs> and, again, you know, that's then. Now I'm tased. I'm on the news. I mean, who the fuck knows what happens? Uh, and Walter Payton gave the – he told the security, I let him stay, which was really nice, uh, although I didn't get the headband. But he was – I'm pretty – he might not have been giving it to me. All right, he, I, again, I'm a child. He, he might have been just p- taking it off. I have no idea. Uh, it wasn't like he went, here, kid, like Joe Green, catch and throw it to me. But, uh, uh, but it was on his head, and he went to reach for it and was kind of taking it off when security went, hey – and then he talked security to let me stay. And then they just walked me over. They weren't they weren't mean. They didn't tackle me. And they go, all right, you. And then when we got to the security, uh, to the stairs, I was, like, floating. I wasn't even walking. And I'm just looking at the fucking signature. And I get to the stairs, and the guy, uh, I just said, thanks. And the guy looks at me, he goes, that was pretty cool, huh? Like the security guy even. <laughs> and uh, and I go, yep. And, uh, and I just went back to my seat, and everybody, like, clapped. They were like, oh, hey. And I just sat down, and everybody wanted to look at the photo. Fo- yeah. Oh. They wanted to look at Walter Payton's autograph. They just stared at it. I still have it. It's fucking great. But they're all just staring. So I have Walter. I have actually Walter Payton and Gail Sayers' uh, autographs. And uh, also Neil Anderson's. No, I don't. <laughs> he, was, he was a running back in the 90s. Nobody cares. Uh, I don't have his. But I have Payton and Sayers. But, yeah, and we just, uh, like, the rest of the game, I don't even know what the fuck happened. I, I don't know. Because it's an exhibition game, and who the fuck cares? Again, it's a bunch of a, a bunch of me in jerseys yeah. trying to get on the team. But I just we just stared at the ticket, all of us, like just oh, just stared at the fucking signature. It was great. Um, so there was that, and uh, I will tell you this though: uh, the other exhibition football game I went to, very different experience. Uh, <clears throat> I was in uh, Los Angeles at the time, and my buddy Jeff came out to visit. And Jeff and I, uh, I said, "Hey, dude, you want to go see the Bears? Because the Bears were playing the Raiders." Uh, and he's like, yeah, let's go. So it was an exhibition game. You get tickets, and it's the L.A. Coliseum. I mean, they barely sold any tickets. Uh, I realize now the reason they didn't sell any tickets was because they gave most of them away to the local prisons <laughs> to entertain the fucking prisoners on furlough on fucking Saturday afternoon. Oh, my God. Dude, I, I, I look, I've been in some fucking sketchy situations. All right, I've been in, you know, bar fights and i've been and you know bouncing i saw a guy get a beer bottle in the face and blood and i've seen some shit happen and uh i i I was so scared at that fucking raiders bears game i just i just thought i told jeff i go we are going to fight our way out of here we are going to have to fight our way out of here i didn't even because i mean and it wasn't like i was overtly cheering for the bears because it was an exhibition game if it was a regular game i probably would have been cheering for about a minute before nine hot dogs hit me in the fucking head, uh, and then nine fists holding hot dogs hit me in the fucking head, but we just sat there and watched the game. Uh, but um, we saw fight, fights broke out. Like any bear fans would cheer, and Raider fans would yell at him and dump a full beer on a guy's head and just fucking jump him and start wailing. And uh, it was it was a fucking zoo. I mean, it was, this is an exhibition game for the Raiders, and all these dudes just came to throw. I mean, it was Jeff and I just sat there. It was so funny because there was no. It was the Coliseum. There's 100,000 seats. It might have been a fourth full, maybe. And we just sat there like with our feet up and watched the carnage. We didn't cheer either way. We just basically took it as a social experiment. We <laughs> Diane, we, literally, we Diane Fossied the entire fucking game. And it was just fucking straight up gorillas in the mist. We just sat there and looked around at everything that was going on and realized that you say the wrong thing, you're getting punched. I mean, it was just this weird, it was danger. It was, it was just an atmosphere of danger and more so i've been in i i saw slayer all right 
Slayer was also like this. All right. Um, I bounced for Slayer. Did I ever tell this story? All right. Uh, Slayer played the Los Angeles Coliseum, uh, not the Coliseum, the uh, sports arena, which is where the Clippers used to play. It's a smaller venue than Staples. And uh, we got there. I swear to God, I told the story. We got there for the Slayer show. They made us come an hour early, just like for ICP. All right. Because this was uh, event staff. This was a di- contemporary services was the name of the uh, the bouncing company. So um, they told us to get there an hour early. So we get there early and they line us up. And they line us up military style to talk to us. And they tell us uh, the the band that is here tonight. And I knew who Slayer was. I was a hu- I was a Slayer fan. And so they said, hey, uh, this band Slayer, they're a, you know, a metal band. They call them a death metal band, which they're really not. But th- that's fine. Uh, and they said, but they have the most aggressive fans in music, and uh, they destroyed the San Diego Sports Arena last night. Destroyed it by moshing and just tearing it up. There will be no moshing tonight. We are telling you now, you are to make sure there is no moshing at this show tonight. It was Slayer and Testament at the Los Angeles Sports Arena. And I was excited just to see Slayer. I was fucking happy to be in the building, um, not knowing what was going to happen. But uh, uh, So they line us up, and they tell us there's no moshing. And they finished their big pep talk. They really kind of militarily drilled us. And I will tell you, this, this, when I bounced at the House of Blues, it was a bunch of guys who were bouncing and worked at the House of Blues. Some of them were just there to get pussy and whatever. When I worked for Contemporary Services, uh, this was me and a bunch of guys from the UCLA and USC football teams who couldn't wait to fight. That's all they wanted to do. It was their, it was their part-time job where they made 7 or $8 an hour and got to hit people for free. That's, that's all it was. So they were looking forward to it. They were excited. And, I, and uh, I, I was with a buddy of mine, my buddy Dennis, who was actually a supervisor. And I took him aside and I go, uh, there's going to be moshing. I mean, they're not going to be able to stop it. I mean, they need to understand that. And he's like, well, they're saying that there's not going to be. And it's, you know, so I said, all right. So they put us on the floor in a grid. They put, you know, they had people in the pit along with Slayers people. And I wasn't in the pit. Because there was the pit, and then there was like 10 rows of seats, and then there was a huge aisle, and I was in that aisle with the other 30 rows, and we had to keep that section free of moshing, like there was supposed to be no moshing, and they lined up like 20 of us to make sure there was no moshing. So uh, I'm in in my spot, my designated spot, and I'm looking around, and uh, the seats, there are seats on the floor, and I'm like, why are there seats on the floor? Because it's, it's fucking crazy. You can't have seats. On the floor, you're asking for trouble. And as they're putting the seats out, they zip line them uh, with twist ties, like like plastic, you know, like a, uh, all right, if you've ever been arrested at a baseball game, <laughs> they have these twist tie plastic handcuffs that are really strong, but they don't, they don't, they're not metal, so they're easier to use. And they can keep more of them so they're not, you know, because handcuffs, they don't want to, if they're arresting a bunch of people, they don't want to put a bunch of handcuffs on people, they got to collect them later. These zip line things, they just fucking tighten them around your hands and you're done. Well, they're putting those on the seats, like they're, li- they're, Binding them together, essentially, and making seat bricks. <laughs> so I see them out there, and I see them, you know, going ahead and tying together the fucking seats. And I, I'm, I'm looking at the other guys and the UCLA guys and stuff, and I'm going, guys, this is going to be a mess. I mean, this is going to be a fucking tragic mess. And they're just like, well, just, you know, it's fine. If anybody moshes, we just fucking hit them, and we run them out. Because they told us, run them out the door. Just hit them and run them out to the south end of the arena, and you'll hand them to the guys there, and the guys will drag them out. And they also said anybody with spike wristbands, because they're not supposed to have them, they would get, you know, wanded at the door. Anybody you see with spikes, you throw them out immediately. Throw them out. They said not, not even confiscate, you throw them out. Because they were like, we are taking no shit from anybody tonight. We are showing them who's boss right up front. 
And I'm like, well, let me tell you something. Tony Dan's is the boss. <laughs> Not you motherfuckers, because you're about to get schooled by a bunch of Slayer fans. So I'm waiting and waiting. Uh, as I'm on the floor, Kerry King from Slayer comes down. He walks out. And uh, they're from Los Angeles, so this is like a homecoming show for them. So Kerry King comes out, and I, I can't, I'm fucking, I'm like, dude, awesome. So he walks up, and uh, I go, and I said, hey, Mr. King. And he's like, hey, what's going on? He goes, call me Kerry. And I said, hey, Kerry. He goes, what are they doing? Because he saw him tying the seats up. I go, uh, they told us there's no moshing tonight, Kerry. And he goes, oh, that's going to be interesting. And I go, yep. He goes, do they know anything about our, the the band or the fans? And I go, yeah, they said you guys destroyed San Diego last night. And he goes, well, we didn't. He goes, but, the, you know, it's, the, they stupidly put chairs out. They, you, you don't put chairs out. I said, I know. And uh, he was really cool and really friendly. And I, and I said, uh, I go, I got to tell you, um, they've set this up in a real us against you guys type of thing tonight. And he goes, well, that's not good. And he goes, I'll, I'll have to talk to our security guy about that because they had their own security guy. Uh, he goes, he goes, we want everybody to have a good time. We don't want there to be a fucking problem, you know? And I'm like, I know. I go, but I'm telling you that they are taking this in a very uh, military type way. Like we're, we're to hold the floor. And he goes, oh, he goes, all right. So he left. And uh, he goes up on, uh, you know, he disappears backstage. And I guess he told their security people what was what, because then our guys came out and told us, they go, do not listen to anybody but us. If Slayer security people come to you, you do not listen to them. We told you what to do. You run it. You still run people out of the fucking building. No moshing. You heard what we said. And they leave. Fans start to come in. Fans are actually coming to the seats and laughing, like they see the seat. And uh, and I said, I go, well, doesn't it say a t like a seat on your your ticket? And they said, yeah, but we didn't think there'd be actual chairs. We thought it would be because they, they, I guess they said there were some arenas that just mark it on the floor, like where you're supposed to be. And because they know what it's going to, it's going to turn into a mosh because it wasn't general admission. They had tickets on, you know, ticket numbers. <laughs> so I'm waiting. I, I just, I, I can't believe. So, uh, arena, they sell out the sports arena, which for Slayer, again, uh, still a niche band, but with a huge following, but they sell out the fucking sports arena and I'm there. And then the lights go out for Testament. Testament's opening the show. Lights go out, and it's pitch black. And you hear people start yelling. And then you hear people running. You can't, we can't see anything, all right? And it, it was like being in Vietnam. I, I mean, <laughs> I've had two experiences like that for concerts. One I'll, I'll tell you about another time probably because, Jesus Christ, I'm talking a lot. But uh, uh, this one was... I just steeled myself for contact. Like, I didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. I thought we were going to get charged or what was going to happen. First note hits for Testament. The fucking lights come on, and immediately people start running to mosh. They start running where we are, and it's it's a crazy pie fight. It's just people running up and running into us. They're using us to mosh. They're bouncing <laughs> into us, and the football players are just hitting people. Like, as they start running out, they start clotheslining guys and dropping them. So then I... I'm doing it for my own protection. I start hitting people. Like, people are running at me to, to mosh and bounce off me, but they're also, they're trying to do damage. Like, I had a guy try to kick me in the knee, and they're fucking grabbing me, and so I just start 
hitting people. I mean, literally, we're just punching guys. And we're grabbing them, and you, you, I will throw them in a fucking half Nelson and a fucking chicken wing. I'll cross-face them, and you run them out the south of the building. And you pass them off, and you just come back, and you start hitting more guys. And as they're, they're yelling, and they're moshing, and the Testament is playing, and people are coming from off. I see them running off of the real stands, running into me, and it's, you know, you're trying to keep your head on a swivel because people are fucking hammering into you. And then they're jumping. Like, they're doing that thing. You'll, you'll see it in England where whole crowds will jump. Okay, well, they're jumping, and uh, you can see them jumping, but they're doing it for a purpose. They're jumping on the chairs to fucking destroy them. So they're jumping up and down on the the chairs, and you would see them snap. You would see a guy, like, fall into the fucking mass because he broke his chair because they can't get the zip lines off. So they're fucking just jumping and smashing the chairs, and uh, people are running and hitting guys. I waded into the crowd like when people grabbed me and they I'm wearing a I had to wear a yellow windbreaker like you've seen those people who have to check your tickets and stuff. It got torn. They tore the collar off of a yellow windbreaker (laughs) as they're fucking holding me and hitting me. They're punching me and I'm just punching into a crowd. I'm just hitting anybody who's close and pulling myself out of the crowd and people are moshing. It's great. Testament ends and uh, the lights come up and I I mean you look I'm dazed. I'm bleeding. The other guys are looking around at me like the other guy and they're just. And all we just all of us, the security guys, are looking at one another, and we were just like, "Whoa, yeah!" Like, cause I, cause I get this adrenaline going, and I'm fucking my jacket's torn, and I got blood on my head, and like we're running dudes out, spikes. Who fucking cares? And uh, half the seats are destroyed, like they're just fucking smashed. And uh, we try to group. Slayers people come out and they start yelling at us. I mean, they're just like, "What the fuck are you doing? These are our fans. Why are you fucking hitting them?" And I'm like. I understand that, but I'm bleeding. They're hitting me. I mean, they're, well, they're fighting you because you're fighting them. And I'm like, you know, technically I wasn't, okay? I only did what I had to do because people charged me. But the other, the football players were fucking clotheslining everybody. It was brutal to watch. Uh, so they fucking, they try to tune, tone us down. They leave. Our guys come back and get, they go, don't listen to them. Do what we fucking say. No moshing. And uh, Slayer hits. The fucking lights go down. And, uh... It was a goddamn blur. Like, I, I wanted to watch Slayer, but at least, I, I'll tell you what, though, if I'm going to be in that, if I'm going to fight for two hours, you can't do much worse than a goddamn Slayer soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, it, it literally, it kept me going. I'm like, oh, what's that, dead skin mask? Let's fucking go. I mean, these people are jumping again on the seats to try to destroy them, and then all of a sudden you see above, rising above the people. In the middle of Slayer, it's going on. They're breaking chairs. They're smashing shit. You just see, rising out of the pit, all right, a fucking block of chairs. Oh, man. A brick, a, a seat brick. It comes up. There's got to be 15 seats ziplined to it, and they fucking just throw it. They throw it forward into us. Oh. It lands and, you know, it fucking, it, it hit like a couple guys, but they scattered. And then the, they fucking, because then they cleared that out and then they just started moshing because they threw the seats. They were like, fuck it. We're not even going to smash them. We're just going to fuck them, throw them at you. And they sure enough, they lift them up. The seat brick goes flying. They smash the other ones flat and they just mosh. They start moshing. We're grabbing guys. We're throwing them out. But it doesn't matter because here's why. People started running from the seats, the actual bowl, onto the main floor to mosh. So, like, the entire fucking arena is pouring down to mosh. I can't stop everybody from goddamn moshing. I'm caught in a mosh called Anthrax because they that song's about me. I'm caught in a goddamn mosh. And sure enough, I'm getting pinwheeled. And I just say, I go, well, fuck it. I mean, I might as well just mosh. So I start fucking moshing and I'm grabbing dudes and I'm running dudes over. But I'm but I'm doing it in a mosh way. It was great. It was almost like capoeira, like that Brazilian fight martial art that's a dance. 
I was doing like mosh capoeira because I was moshing, 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 and then I'd just grab a dude and I'd mosh him off to the side and fucking pitch him off, and I'd fucking back up and I'd mosh back into the mosh pit, and then I'd grab a dude and a half Nelson and I'd mosh him off to the side and throw him out. It was genius. I was like the capoeira mosher. It was awesome. And uh, it fucking finishes. The goddamn whole thing ends, and they, uh, the Slayer ends, and all of us take a breath. And, um, you know, lights come up, and people are just kind of like, woo, and they're all like, oh, all right. They, and uh, as the crowd thins out, we're looking at one another. And, again, I don't have a mirror. I mean, I don't know anything that's going on. And uh, I, I, we look. The arena's destroyed. Again, remember how they, were, they destroyed San Diego? Yeah, they, uh, they fucking destroyed Los Angeles. Every seat is crushed, smashed, fucking thrown. All the zip lines are still intact. I will tell you that. They held, but they smashed every seat flat. They jumped onto them and fucking crushed them into the ground. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at security, and they're looking at me, and everybody, and I'm looking at security guys are bloody. Like, they have blood on their shirts and blood, like, lips and stuff. And guys are looking at me, like, with that weird face, like, oh, and I'm looking at them, oh, because I, I can't see me. I can only see them, and they're all fucked up. And I'm like, boy, those guys got fucked up. And uh, sure enough, we walk out, and uh, our supervisors look at us, and they uh, came up to us, and they were like, thank you. You you know, you held your thing, and they go, now go get cleaned up. And... Uh, I, again, I was so adrenalized, I didn't even realize. I go into the men's room, and I look. My my windbreaker is in shreds. It's completely shredded. My shirt is shredded. Like, I mean, I'm wearing... I, I Again, I look like Bill Bixby. And I just woke up, and I went, what the fuck just happened? Like, I'm covered in tatters, like everything. And, and there's blood all over me. I have gouges in my neck. I have blood that ran into my shirt. I have I, My ear was bleeding like that. I almost like got like torn like away from the, my head a little bit. Just I don't know how I don't know how any of it happened. I had a bloody nose. I had a cut above my eye. I, I looked I looked like an MMA guy. Like I had just been in a fucking because I did. I basically I was in a two hour fight. I was in a two hour fight with a goddamn Slayer soundtrack. And it was awesome. I, I had to be honest. Until the next day when I felt like I had been run over by a goddamn steamroller. Holy shit. Chest pain and like my fucking arms and everything. I mean, you know, it was like the craziest workout you could ever have. But again, Slayer was the house band, so how the fuck can I complain? Hi, this is Talk Radio host Brian Noonan. And when I'm not berating some caller for disagreeing with me, I'm listening to the 40-year-old boy on the Mike Schmidt Podcasting Network. Now, if you'll excuse me, it's time for Traffic and Weather Together on the 7s. Hey, it's me, Chewy. you get year one? Download it yet? the fuck you waiting for an invitation or some shit folks i like to break my podcast up into acts i don't know if i've covered that (laughs) and uh in the parlance of the entertainment industry uh i have second act problems because that was a long second act i I wasn't supposed there was a because there's a you know the meat of the matter the bulk of the show is supposed to be the third act which is where we are now folks that's where we find ourselves and uh, and I can tell you that having a fucking 40-minute second act does not lend itself to having a good third act. I'll do the best I can. Uh, but I will tell you that I keep, every time I come here, I tell Lily, I go, look, I can't, uh, I can't do uh, like a super long show. And, uh, and then I do a super long show. Um, and then she always says, well, the only thing you can do is you should do the opening 20 minutes or whatever when you wind up just talking. Do it with me off camera or off microphone. And then we will just start recording and you can just get into the second act right away. And I'm like, but I don't like doing that, really. I like doing the whole thing. I like being, I like talking. Look, fuck. The only thing I love more than my wife is the sound of my own goddamn voice. We're not going to lie to ourselves here. I love talking. And I think I, I validate and justify your listening and my talking every week. Right? I just listened for a collective right from the nation and I think I got it. All right. Uh <laughs> So, uh, and by the way, I now have third act problems because look what I look, I'm teasing out the third act now. 
Folks, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I do uh, I do live shows occasionally. I went in, uh, to San Francisco and I did my one-man show, and it was uh, universally loved. I won't lie. Uh, it was thoroughly enjoyed by the people who were there, or at least the people who told me. There may have been people who hated it, <laughs> but they've been nice enough to keep it to themselves. Thank you, uh, people who hated my show, for not contacting me with uh, uh, with your your what I should do letter, uh, because I can't wait for those. So eventually, once I start doing the show live, I will hear from people and go, "Oh, dude, I can't believe you didn't do the Jack the Lane story <laughs> in the one man show of my life." Because it is a seminal moment. I'm not going to lie to you, folks. That is a seminal moment of my life, hitting upon the Jack the Lane thing. Oh Christ, that's great. All right, so. Here's the thing. Uh, I did the one-man show in San Francisco, and then we had to hustle home, Lily and I. I wanted to stay in San Francisco and bask in the glory of what had occurred. I wanted to spend one more night sleeping with Lily, but unfortunately, <laughs> it couldn't happen. We had to get into the Murano, and we had to hustle home. Um, because, uh, you know, and I was I was really wide awake and vibrant, and I was excited to get home anyway. And by the way, I wound up sleeping with Lily. Ah, I didn't. Lily slept with me because she crashed out in the car on the way home. <laughs> Uh, and I have photos to prove it. Maybe I'll put them online. All right, so, uh, yes, that's right. I will lord them over you. So, folks, uh, we had to hustle home for a reason, because that week, Lily was putting together her, her annual Inglorious Burlesque burlesque show tribute to Quentin Tarantino. And uh, she's done it three years in a row now, and uh, that particular week was the 23rd. August 23rd was a Monday at the Monday Night Tees, and she was doing it. So my shows were the 20th and 21st, and she had a t- she always has a ton of work when that happens because she has to put together a costume. She ha- Look, her the Monday Night Tees is really hard to do. All right, I should go ahead and say that and give some respect here to Lily. Uh, producing any show is hard, but like... Producing a burlesque show is completely different from producing a comedy show. You produce a comedy show, you basically have to ask 10 comedians if they'll show up and have a microphone. That's it. <laughs> That's the end of the goddamn show. I, you, you really don't need oh, anything. That's it. Yeah, you should. You ought to. You do it. You do it. Per, you can produce 10 in your sleep in my car, which I've seen you do. Uh, but burlesque, dude, you've got to deal. Here's what you got to deal with above all. Above all, every, you know, you've got to deal with uh, music cues. You've got to deal with light cues. You've got to deal with estrogen. <laughs> uh, folks, I have seen the burlesque community in, in action, and uh, it is crazy. I won't lie to you. It is, uh, uh, It is. you know what? It is like a Slayer show in the 90s, <laughs> but with tits. Because it is a bunch of fucking chicks and their, and their estrogen clouds colliding into one another as they talk about who gets to use what color spangles and uh oh no those are my gloves and i mean it is a and i haven't even been in the back room yet Uh, because i I don't want to go into the that's how crazy it is okay i don't want to go into the back room of the burlesque show and see the naked women because i would never be able to focus on their tits because of the fucking claws that would be out i mean it is crazy it is it's showgirls it is absolutely showgirls The, the reason the reason Lily does the Monday Night Tees at uh, the three clubs is because there are no stairs to push performers down. <laughs> she wanted to have it on flat ground <laughs> to avoid people getting pushed downstairs. She doesn't want Nomi asserting herself in any way. She wants to keep everybody on terra firma and not have any Gina Gershon's tumbling head over fucking heels. So... Uh, I, that's the, that's the burlesque thing. So she's got to put together a show every week and I, God, I can't even, I don't even know how she does it. So when I do her show, 
I just try to stay the fuck out of her way. I mean, I, I literally, because I will also tell you this, folks. Um, I host uh, Lily's Burlesque Show occasionally. Not as much as I used to. I used to do it, mm, I would say, once every couple of months. But now we're kind of down to the Tarantino uh, shows only. And uh, there's a reason. I hate it. <laughs> because it's not comedy. It's not about me. It's, it's about facilitating and getting the girls on stage. I love that part of it. I will tell you this. I don't mind vamping in between acts and trying to be funny and bringing the girls on stage because it's great. I get to see them dance and be part of something that is, uh, as much as I make fun of it, it is a community and these girls do all, for the most part, they get along and they all want each other to succeed. And it's it's kind of, you know, comedy is like that too to a certain extent, but there are there can be weirdness. It's like any other group activity. All right. Uh, anything. Kickball with second graders or or women taking their tops off in bars. The same kind of vibe, same kind of atmosphere. Some people are rooting for some people. Some people want to see someone miss the ball and fall on their ass. All right, so uh, when I do, I don't like doing the show because the stand-up part of it in the beginning, I come up cold, and I have to try to warm up the room, and then uh, and they're not there to see me. Okay, they're not there to see comedy. They're there to see the girls. So I'm trying to vamp and get to it as soon as I can. And I will tell you this: this is a cop out too. Because when I've actually gone and done it, and then I've done stand-up there, they've paid attention and been very cool, and I've gotten big laughs, and I've done very well at these shows sometimes. But sometimes if it's the jaded regulars who've seen me before and they don't want to play my reindeer games, <laughs> it's really hard because they've seen what I do. Like my, Because that's the thing is I, I don't tell the same jokes at every show, but what I do is I have the same kind of style where I talk in circle. I'm podcast Mike, and I'll talk, and I'll comment on what's going on in the room and i'll kind of be very much in the moment and if uh if they've seen it before then they've seen it before and that's that they're not interested so i kind of scaled back my participation because she gets a lot of regulars and i didn't want to subject them to me and also i I feel that the shows the burlesque shows are uh an entertainment extravaganza and a guy just talking takes away from it I think you need a, a juggler. I think you need a magician. I think because it's very old school and, uh, and the comedy that I do is more pointed and requires you to pay attention to what I'm saying and stay focused a little bit. And these people don't want to be focused. They want to drink highballs and fucking Cosmos and have a good time and look at Spangles. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. So I scaled it back. I scaled back my participation. But the one thing that I always want to do is I want to do the Tarantino show because uh, I love the acts that are involved. I love Tarantino more than anything. And, uh, and I think I bring a lot to it because I, I you know, can tell stories and be funny. And it's, it's a fun show that's always packed. And the people are kind of up for having fun, which always makes me happy. So this particular one was on the 23rd. We had to hustle back because she had costumes to build and all sorts of phone calls and emails to return and a routine to fucking choreograph <laughs> and a need to wrap. I mean, she had all this crazy shit that she had to do. And, uh, and all I was doing was hosting. I just had to show up Monday the 23rd and do it. Uh, and I will tell you this. When I show up on Monday the 23rd or when I show up for any of Lily's uh, shows, we've got Podcast Lily, who's here now, Producer Lily. She's uh, helping out. She's part of the team. She's cheerleading and trying to be happy and, and making me move forward with jokes and pretending to laugh at the Jack Delane nonsense so <laughs> I will be able to uh, bring you this extended third act. When you go to the burlesque show, uh, in the beginning, mind you, not at the end, but in the beginning of the show, you are going to run into Business Lily. <laughs> I think I referred to Business Lily before. Uh, business Lily is fucking evil. <laughs> okay. Evil. But in it, but you have to be because she has to get the whip out and keep all these girls in line. In the in addition to the bartender and the sound people and the crowd and make sure people are getting in and getting their tickets and getting me my intros and making sure everybody's got their music cues set up and the sound girls doing her deal. Lily is firmly 
in control uh, of of that show, and there is no question about it. <laughs> Here's an example. Monday the 23rd, Lily handed me my script, and it was business Lily. She was in her outfit because she was opening the show with her routine. Her her uh, Is it called a routine? It is. Okay, I don't want to be that guy. Because when, like when... An act, okay. Well, because when I do comedy, people will go, hey, put that in your sketch. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's like, I, I'm not offended by it. I don't care. People don't know. I call it my act. Okay, so it's your act. Okay, so she, the act that she did was, uh, uh, I will get to it in a second, but she was in costume for her act. And I walk in, and she immediately comes up to me, and she goes, here's your envelope. Take this. It's got your drink tickets. It's got everything else you need. And uh, it's got your money because she pays me for the show, which she does not need to do because I'm a friend, and I would do it for free. Again, just to be in the goddamn room and see the dancers, I would do it for free. But she pays me because she's a pro. Yeah, cough it up. You, believe me. Oh, you didn't get that memo from the rest of the entertainment industry? No more money for Mike? I thought that bulletin went out in the Hollywood Reporter and Daily Variety years ago. June June of 2007, when I got whacked from fucking Funniest Pets and People, when it ended. That was it. Decreed from that moment on. No more money for Mike. Uh, so... Uh, Lily gives me all my stuff. She gives me my script. And uh, a lot of times the dancers will have an intro. Like there's a dancer named Scarlett Letter who performs and uh, uh, always does a great job on Lily's show. And uh, her her introduction was, is it four feet? Four feet of red hair and miles of bad attitude. No, bad intentions. Bad intentions. And miles of bad intentions. Please welcome Scarlett Letter. Like they all have a, a, a burlesque thing, a, a little cutesy. Just a uh, yeah, an introduction for them, like like a pro wrestler would have. You know what I mean? Like the you know someone like that. It's because it's part of the show. That's the whole deal. Uh, because it's all about the mystique. It's about burlesque. Well, I get the script for the Tarantino show, and there's no intros at all for anybody. Uh, and she says she looks at me and goes, "There are no intros for the girls. All you will do is bring them up. The music will go, and just we're gonna like clockwork, bang, bang, bang. And I don't want you to you don't don't plug any shows because a lot of times Lily will have me plug shows. Other burlesque performers want to plug their things. That but the Tarantino one runs like clockwork. She keeps it uh, because theme nights need to keep to the theme. So she's like, I'm keeping it to the theme. So no intros. So I go okay. Uh, I walk off. About five minutes later, a guy comes up to me and he hands me a flyer. And he goes, Hey. He goes, when you bring up this dancer, say this about her and uh, make sure you plug this show. And I go, okay. Uh, and then I slip away from him and I go over to Business Lily. And I said, hey, uh, I've been told that when this dancer comes up, I'm supposed to say her name and I'm supposed to give an intro for her. And then I plugging the show. I just want to clear that with you. And uh, thinking that Lily would keep it between us. Okay. Thinking that Lily would keep it between us, and uh, she, I want all I wanted to do was go, no, don't do that, do what I said, because then I'll just go, okay, but I, I need to clear it with Lily because I do not want to be on the wrathful end of business, <laughs> Lily. Okay, I don't need her foot in my ass later because it, her heels are fucking tremendous on show nights. So I, don't, I believe me, her, she wears those shoes look painful, and I do not need them in my ass. So uh, they're bad enough on feet, bad enough on her goddamn feet and knees. I don't need them in my ass. So I want to just clear it with her. So rather than uh, her just look at me and go, yeah, you know what? No. Like I said, just do my thing. Uh, Lily looks at me and goes, who told you that? And I said, he did. And she turns around and she go, and I, I can't use the person's name, but we'll just say his name was Roy, because that's one of my favorite go-to names. And she goes, Roy, no fucking flyers, no fucking introductions, and no fucking names, all right? We're not plugging any fucking shows. This is my show. And if you want to do something like that, you come up to me and you clear it. You don't go to my talent and you fucking tell him what to say. You come right up to me and you clear it with me. Do you got it? This is across a room. And I'm standing there looking like a five-year-old who just told on somebody, like making a pouty face and staring at the floor and kicking my feet and all shucks in it. And, uh, and he just goes, I got it, Lily. And she goes, you got it? 
And he goes, I got it. And she goes, do what I, just do what I said. And I go, okay. And I walk away and I go up to Roy and I go, hey, man, I, am, I did not mean to get you in trouble. And he goes, don't worry, I'm used to it. I've had it done to me before. And I go, well, look, I was just clearing it with her because she told me if anybody said anything, I had to clear it with her. And he goes, I understand. And I go, and I don't want to have what just happened to you happen to me. <laughs> He goes, yeah, I understand. And I go, yeah, because uh, I go, although the good news is now I can do whatever I want because she's still going to be chewing on your ass for the next two hours after she just bit it off in front of fucking everybody in the room. So that's Lily on Business Lily Night. All right, so show night, she's Business Lily all the way. And uh, so the Tarantino show goes Monday, and uh, Lily does her new uh, act, and it was fantastic. And the show goes, it's fucking killer. Sold-out house, really good. Uh, and uh, I, I did okay. I mean, I did my thing, and uh, uh, it, it went uh, it, it went well. It, it did go well, but I don't like doing it. I know it sounds weird. It's just I feel uncomfortable with it because I feel like I'm, you know. But it's still, it was really good. The show was really good, uh, you know, and it's really good every year. Every year she, she does the Tarantino thing, and it crushes. Well, every year she invites Quentin Tarantino to the show. Uh, she wants him to come out and, and you never who the fuck knows you never know you know what I mean so she always sends a, a, an invitation to his office and, and does the best that she can and she flyers and she knows that they're all over the place there's a very evident palpable presence of that show in town it, it people know that it's going on it's all over social networking it's Twitter it's Facebooked and, uh, and so she's always hoping it'll catch his eye uh, to the point where last year she really thought he was coming alright last year she did and uh, it turned out he didn't come so uh, she had Eddie, her clown boyfriend, make a balloon Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> because he's a balloon artist, he makes amazing balloons, and he can actually make people, like, like size balloons. And he made a Quentin Tarantino balloon sculpture. Like, he made it, and they put it in a seat, and he watched the show. And in case real Quentin showed up, he would have had a seat saved. Because balloon Quentin had taken the seat and saved it for him. So that was last year. So then this year, she, you know, again, sent out the invites, was hoping he would come. Uh, he did not, which was fine, but but the show was fantastic. Still went on without a hitch. Uh, I loved it, had a great time, and I left Monday night. Tuesday, uh, I you know I, I go to Graveyardville Monday. I go home, sleep, get up Tuesday afternoon, check my email. I get an email, and it's all caps. Call me when you get this. <laughs> so I, I don't know. You know, Lily's my friend, and I hope she's not in jail. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck happened. So I open it up. And it just and it's a, a mass email. It's not just to me. It's to a bunch of people. And it says, I need to know if you are in town this weekend. I need to know this now. You need to call me immediately and let me know what your availability is for this weekend. I need to know, Caps, Lily. So I will tell you this. Usually those emails are for the girls. I mean, they're not for me because I, I only do one show. Like I said, I, I do one show a year. And I figure I'm just still caught in the email loop. Um, so I, I, I call her just because. And, I, and she answers the phone. Hello? And I said, hey, you sent me an email this morning, but, I mean, it's, it's not for me, right? You need to know if I'm in town. She goes, yes, it is for you. What are you doing this weekend? I said, uh, I, I have no plans right now. I don't think so. What about Friday or Saturday or Sunday? Are you in town every single day? I said, I, yeah, I mean, I'm in town. I don't know what's going, what's going on. Are you sitting down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting down. What the fuck? Who cares? And yeah, I'm sitting down. So uh, she says... Uh, you're not going to believe this. Today, I got an email from Quentin Tarantino's office. <laughs> I said, what? She goes, I got a letter from his assistant saying that he regretted he didn't come to the show Monday night. He was disappointed that he couldn't make it, but 
he would like to arrange a command performance <laughs> of the show for him and a private guest list. And he wants to do it this weekend because they leave Monday for the Venice Film Festival. <laughs> I'm, I'm just... Lily's bouncing in her chair now, all right? I have goosebumps now thinking about it. And I go, you're not serious. I, I mean, it just seems... so. And she goes, do I sound like I'm not serious? And all of a sudden, business, <laughs> business Lily shows up for one sentence. Do I sound like I'm not serious? I go, no, you're fine. I, I go, that's cool. I go, does he want me too? I mean, I, I couldn't imagine because he just wants to see the date. She goes, he wants the entire show. She said it. Uh, I, I won't give the name of his assistant, but she wrote and she said, he wants the, the exact show that you did Monday. He wants it from beginning to end. He wants to see everything. He wants to, because you've been doing this for a while. He's want, he knows of it. He's wanted to see it. And now he will buy out a bar. He will rent a bar for a private party. Uh, because he normally, Tarantino, every week he does screenings at his home. And he'll have private screenings. People come over, they drink, they watch movies. He'll talk about them and have fun. They, he does that thing because he's a fucking genius <laughs> who's rich and can afford to do those kinds of things. So this time, instead of that, he decided to have this command performance of Inglorious Burlesque for him and his private guest list. And I said, well, Lily, I said, whatever you need me to do, man. I said, I am here. I, I'll fucking sew costumes. <laughs> Because I will tell you, it is a fucking bear to put a show like this together, okay? And she also had to put together Monday's Monday Night Tea, so she's, and she does my podcast on Wednesday. I mean, she's, you know, very busy. And so I, I volunteered. I said, whatever you need from me, you've got. I said, I'll do whatever you need. You need me to drive stuff, props, pick people up, I'm in. Just know that you can count on me for whatever you need, and I'm absolutely available whenever you need me. Because I find it best to throw that sort of blanket admission out there so she's not calling me every 10 minutes and going, what are you doing? What about Sunday? What about 11? Can you go to this? Can you do that? Because it's like I'm telling I'm look, yes, yes. Here's a blanket yes for the week. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Uh, because she usually doesn't, you know, she's not going to impose upon me or infringe upon me, but I'm happy to help whenever I can. So she goes, great, I'll, I'll let you know. The rest of the week was a flurry of emails. Uh, we're doing it Saturday. We're doing it Friday. We're doing it at 11 o'clock. We're doing it at 10 o'clock because she, she was negotiating with them, finding a place to do it, getting it all set, trying to get everything squared away. And then finally, I think it was Thursday, it was finalized. Thursday, I get an email and it says, uh, okay, here's the deal. We're doing it at the Bordello on Sunday at 8 o'clock. The reason we're doing it earlier in the evening is because they all leave Monday for the Venice Film Festival and they want to make kind of an early night out of it. So they want to make sure that they get there, they see it, and they have a good time. And, uh, you know, Quentin's taking care of the bar. Lily's taking care of this. And uh, she goes ahead and she books all the acts from Monday, plus she books two other acts that had been with the show previous years but were busy and couldn't do it this year, but quite frankly were absolutely necessary to the success of the show because they're fantastic. So uh, Lily goes ahead and she starts booking and she's taking care of it. I'm just, I'm staying out of it. I'm like, whatever you need, I'll do it. Uh, and then I said, I decided, all right, here's what I did, folks, foolishly. I decided to offer to do something. Don't ever do that. I will tell you that right now. When you're doing a show with Lily, stay out of her fucking way. Because she's doing it and she's doing it her way and that's that. But I know Tarantino a little bit and I want the opportunity to do something that uh, uh, I I is important to me. I wanted to kind of take a shot at it. Um, because Monday, when Karen, uh, when Lily had done the show on the 23rd, um, she had made the pre-show music CD, and it was short. She had to keep looping it, and it kept playing the same, like, 10 songs over and over, and I felt that was doing a disservice to the night, so I called her. Well, that was because it was hard to get everything seated. We actually ended up starting our show 10 minutes late. The show started late yeah. Monday because it was a packed house. Yeah. So, uh... In order to do that, you know, the CD ran out. Yeah. 
Yeah, the CD ran out, and so she had to keep restarting it. Look, again, everything you do is a success. You don't have to explain this away. No, I, the process is all I'm talking about. Oh, okay, so cool. It was like, you know, I, I planned on one thing, but didn't have a backup plan for something in place, right. which sucks. The one thing I don't understand, and I, and I didn't talk to you about it, Lily does things to the minute. Okay, if she thinks the doors open at 930, doors open at 930, she's got 30 minutes of pre-show music that she will start at 930. And then when it ends at 10, the show starts. That's how she does it. I, I've never to me, I've always felt it's best to have like a ton of music. But the thing is, I will tell you this. She throws in a five minute warning. That's why. Because when she does her playlist, she throws in a, like if it's a 30 minutes of music, 25 minutes in, there's an announcement that says the show will begin in five minutes. Please grab your seats, grab your final drinks, do whatever you've got to do, because this next song is the last one. Thank you. It's a smart way to do things because it gets people thinking about the show and getting them to migrate over to their seats. And I would never think to do that. I hate starting late. It yeah. drives me crazy. Oh, sure. And, and but you're in the wrong town for that because she, she hates but starting I'm late. my audience. I mean, very rarely do we start late. Right. I, you know, in three and a half years, I've had probably six shows start late. Right. And, and Tarantino had to because a lot of people came late because, again, it's, it's usually packed. There are people... Uh, you know, they get as many people as the fire marshal will allow in there. So that's what they do. They cram it to the fucking gills, to the whatever the head count is. It, whatever the fire marshal said to the head count, that's it and no more. You know, it, the rest of the people can wait in the front bar for people to leave. And then she'll literally, and literally she will do this. If two people leave, she'll go to the bar and go, you come in. She'll get two people in there. It, there's never a spot available at a sold out show. And she never goes over. It's, it's again, it's a sight to behold because I, I'm used to just fucking showing up and people are like, oh, that's over there and that's over there. <laughs> Fuck that. She's, you, I thought it was military at the Slayer thing. You walk in, Lily's got burlesque dancers row by row and she's giving them a goddamn speech and she walks around with a riding crop in her hand. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, so I felt that I, I thought that the music ran out too soon. So I said, let me do you a favor. Let me make the pre-show music list. Uh, the pre-show music, the intermission music, and the after-show music. I volunteered to do that. <laughs> and Lily's like, well, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if that's the... And I go, listen, just trust me. I will do it. I will put together a playlist. That's fine. I'll, I'll square it away. But here's the thing. I'm, I'm still in the 90s. I thought I had to burn the CD for her. She, she just wanted the playlist. Like, she wanted me to... So I write her and I go, hey, am I burning these CDs and bring them? She writes me back. And I, I, this is when I knew I was in trouble. Okay, she wrote me back and she goes, it needs to be exported as a playlist, Mike. Everything is played from my computer. Lily. I don't think Lily's ever called me Mike. I mean, I'm Schmitty. She always calls me Schmitty or Schmitty Schmitty. Uh, sometimes Michael. But I, I, she's like Karen in that if I hear Mike, it's like I go, oh, something happened. No, that wasn't uh, window. No, you were just saving time typing. You said, I'll type. Less, that's how much of a hurry you were in. Uh, but I told, I, it was so crazy. It was so jarring. I told Karen, I go, she called me Mike in that email. That's not good, right? <laughs> I knew I was in trouble. Uh, so then I had, but here's the problem now, I, because that just opened a new conundrum for me. So now Mike has to contact Lily for more explanation, which is the last thing I want to do. I don't even want to be talking to her. I was just trying to do a good thing. And now I get sucked into the maelstrom. I don't want to be in the maelstrom. I just want to back off. So all of a sudden I'm in the fucking, I'm in the eye of the goddamn tornado. My house is spinning around. I see fucking, you know, my dog in a basket on a bike. I don't want any of that to goddamn happen. I just want to fucking do a playlist of music. But I have to recontact her, and I go, look, I'm sorry. I'm in the 90s. How do I export a playlist to you? Like, I don't even know. And uh, in the meantime, after I sent that email, I Googled it and found out how to do it. And she uh, did not write me back because I sent it late at night. I, I will tell you, I sent it at like 2 in the morning. So thankfully, she was getting her one hour of sleep. <laughs> no 
she was hanging. She was in her coffin, so I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> so that was fine. That was all closed up. <laughs> so, uh, but in the meantime, I sent that email, and then I go, "You better take some initiative here, or she's gonna fucking put a goddamn painful shoe in your ass." So uh, I googled it, and I found out how to do it. It's very easy. So I went ahead and I, I went ahead and exported the playlists, and I figured it out. And I built a goddamn awesome playlist. I, it was like there was like 50 songs on the pre-show, and then there was intermission. She told me she goes, uh, it had to be an hour before show. It had to be 15 minutes for this intermission, and then two. She goes, I want two hours for after-show music. I go, okay, well then we can just do the pre-show hour, and then I'll do another hour. She goes, I don't want to repeat any music the entire night. I said, what? She goes, I don't. She goes, I want it to be unique. I want the first hour to be unique. And then the intermission, of course, is different. And then you have the two hours of unique music that nobody has heard yet that night. And you, and also, you obviously, I can't use music that the dancers are going to use. Uh, which is fine. I knew I can't use the music the dancers are going to use. But it made no sense to me to be able to have to build two more hours. Because we we're only using Tarantino music. I'll tell you that. We're using uh, Natural Born Killers, Desperado, Inglorious Bastards, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill 1 and 2, Pulp Fiction, and uh, Reservoir Dogs, Four Rooms, and From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, but I'm not using Four Rooms because I don't own the album. So I'm, I'm using just the other stuff. But I'm saying the dancers, that's what they have to choose. All the, all the stuff is taken from Tarantino movies. So I, I have all the soundtracks. I bought them all. I have them all. So I'm, I'm building the playlist. I make 50 for pre-show, and then I make the 15-minute intermission. Uh, and it was awesome. I got to be on. Uh, so great. Uh, sure, I'm great. Uh, yeah? Yeah, they're yeah. awesome. All right, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll see about that. But uh, maybe I'll publish the I'll make iMixes, like Tarantino yeah. iMixes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I did those, and then I sent her an email with all of the uh, stuff in it. I sent her all the songs, I, and I, I did it. I, I used all of the music, uh, and I used dialogue snippets, and I built it so there was like three songs and a dialogue snippet, and then two songs. I, I did it the way I would want to hear it, okay? And I built it, and I sent them to her Saturday night. Uh, late. Again, she's in her coffin, so I sent it so I don't have to hear about her. Uh, Sunday morning, I come home, and uh, she's up at like 8. and Because uh, I was going to go to bed uh, at 8. <laughs> but my phone rang at 8 on a Sunday morning. Uh, and I saw it was her, answered it. And she goes, hey, I got the playlist. So I said, good. And she goes, I just want to point something out. Um, you know, in the beginning... You use a snippet of dialogue from 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 dusk till dawn, and it's called uh, Chet's speech. Uh, uh, you know, uh, in the beginning, I used attention. There's two different snippets of dialogue from from dusk till dawn. One is called attention. One is called Chet's speech. She goes, you know, you use them both in the opening music. Uh, one of them, attention, is right in the very beginning, and then Chet's speech is at the end, and they're essentially the same dialogue. So I think I'm going to take them out. I said, what? She goes, yeah, it's the same dialogue. And I go, I go, Lily, no, it's not the same dialogue. I go, if you listen to it, yes, he's talking about pussy in both of them. <laughs> but if you listen, the beginning one, he's like, attention, folks, we've got half price pussy, we've got this. And if you can find cheaper pussy, fuck it. And then at the end is when he says, we got Naugahyde pussy, we got this pussy, that pussy. And she goes, well, look, the only real difference is 20 seconds. So, I mean, it's the same thing. So I'm going to take it out because I think it repeats. I go, Lily, you don't need to do that because, again, one's in the beginning of the hour. One's at the end of the hour. And if you look, it sets it up because he does the speech and then there's Green Hornet and then there's another snippet of dialogue and then it goes to Miserloo and then, or no, uh, uh, Green Hornet, Ironside Sting, Miserloo, and then me. I'm on. I go, that's, I, I built it that way. And she goes, yeah, but you know what? You've got an awful lot of dialogue in these playlists. Like I look and there's like 
probably eight snippets of dialogue in the first hour, and it, that's going to drag. If that gets to drag, you know, it's in between the songs and stuff, and uh, I just let her talk, I let her talk, and then she stopped talking, I go, Lily, you need to stop. <laughs> and she goes, what? I go, Lily, control what you can control. Make your dress, figure out your act, take care of your dancers. Quentin Tarantino wrote this dialogue. <laughs> Do you think he's going to go, fuck, why is there so much dialogue in here? This guy is paying to rent a bar to watch a tribute to him. Do you think at some point he's going to go, wow, there's too much me going on. Fuck no. He's going to be overwhelmingly happy. He's going to hear the music he personally selected plus the dialogue he wrote. And then a bunch of chicks are going to take their clothes off for him in costumes he designed from movies he made. This whole night is one big pussy and he's fucking it. Relax. And she's like, you know what? I think I'm going to trust you on this. I'm going to go ahead and take care of the stuff that I can take care of, but I'm going to trust you on the music. I said, I think that's for the best. She goes, okay. And she goes, all right, I'm so excited. Are you excited? I go, I'm extremely excited. You should be extremely excited. It's going to be great. She goes, okay, I'm so, all right. Okay. All right, get some sleep. Bye. Okay, love you, bye. Hangs up. She's like so out of it. But I talked her down. I talked her down from that craziness. So uh, I go to, I hit the rack. And I will tell you this, um, Karen could not come to the show. She really wanted to, but she could not because none of the cast members were allowed to bring people to the show. And Lily was very nice. She's like, I can probably find a job for Karen to do. Like she can be a backup ticket taker or something, but that's just not fair. That's not fair to the other dancers who want to bring their boyfriends or girlfriends or people like that. So I, I understood why we couldn't do it. It would have been cool, but I understood. Um, so during the day I'm getting, I'm, you know, I sleep and then I wake up and I'm getting ready and uh, uh, I go to the show and uh, Lily was She's like, I need you here at 7, 7.15 at the latest for a 9 o'clock. Uh, it was 9 o'clock show. Yeah. I said 8 o'clock, but it was a 9 o'clock show. 8 o'clock uh, 8 o'clock doors, 9 o'clock show. And she goes, I need you here. Uh, it's important that you're here at 7 or 7.15. Well, I, look, I'm just talking. I don't know why the fuck I have to be there at 7 or 7.15. And I say this every time with one of her shows, but I go, all right, what, I'm, I know better. Business Lily, I'm not going to taste the wrath of Business Lily. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to show up. So, uh, and I will tell you this, I was smart to show up then because uh, I park right in front. I mean, I, I get a great parking spot. Um, and uh, I, I, all right, I, or this is, you don't know this. All right, so I park and I go in and things are happening. I mean, like, it's just, and it's that weird, like, 19, you ever see a movie from uh, any time period where they're backstage at a variety show and there's a guy with a hula hoop spinning it around and then a couple of dancers walk by and then a, a poodle walks by and it's hind legs. That's what, the, that's what this room looks like. I walk in, there's half-naked chicks walking around, there's fishnets, you know, people are like, you know, doing a spotlight, they're figuring out music. There's girls on stage dressed in dance skins doing their routines. <laughs> and I walk into this business and I go, where am I standing? And she goes, you're going to stand right over here. And it was weird. I won't lie to you. It was weird. I was off stage um, because there's the stage where the girls are. And then I was to the immediate stage right audience left. Uh, and I'm basically in a little alcove by myself and I've got to announce the show. Um, which threw me, I, I won't lie to you, it threw me because I was, you know, I'm used to being on fucking stage. So, uh, <laughs> they show me where I'm standing and Lily's, you know, walk, first I see Lily in half her outfit and then in some her outfit and then in another outfit and she's walking around <laughs> and, 
I'm sitting in my little alcove and I'm talking to the, all the people that are there. They're really, I mean, people are just excited. I mean, we're just, it's just this weird, you know, that, hey, we're putting on a show. Fuck. Hey, we're putting on a goddamn show. So uh, I see the guest list, and there's actually a couple people on the guest list that I know, like uh, B.J. Novak, who was in Inglorious Bastards, and uh, Sam Levine, who was also in Inglorious Bastards. Uh, when I say I know them, I have I know them to say hello to them. Uh, Sam and I have met at the UCB. B.J. and I have actually done shows together, but, uh, but uh, B.J. then uh, got a career, and I, <laughs> I'm here in the middle of a long third act of this podcast. I, I became the Jack Delaney of podcasting, so... Uh, so I wa- I look at the guest list and I'm I'm waiting and it's you know shows going and uh, we're getting everything squared away we're trying to get the playlists and Lily's looking at the music and the guy you know Tim the sound guy's there and they've got a follow spot and uh, I'm sitting in my little alcove and I'm trying to learn some jokes so I'm waiting to figure <laughs> out what I'm going to talk about I'm looking at the script trying to figure out what I'm going to say and uh, on stage two girls are dancing a girl named Lux Lacroix and Vixen Violette they're doing their dance. And uh, as they're dancing, they play their music, and the song Comanche comes on, uh, which is a song from Pulp Fiction. It's the song when uh, they close the door to rape Marcellus Wallace. It's the song that goes da 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 boom da 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 boom. Well, they're doing that in their act. They uh, were not. I should say Lux Lacroix was not at Monday's show. Okay, so I forgot that they used Comanche in their act. And I included Comanche on the opening show playlist. And I knew that was going to be a problem. So I, I'm in my alcove. I'm in my alcove and I actually, my hands started to shake. I won't lie to you. A bead of sweat formed on my forehead and my hands are shaking because now I have to get the attention of business, Lily. <laughs> who decided to trust me on the music and tell her about this glaring mistake I've made. Uh, because I was going from memory on what the girls danced to, because I asked Lily, can you send me the names of what the girls danced to? And she said, no. I had to remember from doing it the three years previous, and I remembered everybody, except that I thought they only did Jungle Do Boogie. You know why? Okay. They're the only ones that aren't listed by song name. So I was like, I don't even know the name of all of the songs. Right. I have to send you all of the music. Right, which is good. Well, I knew they did Jungle Boogie as part of it. So I just, I figured Jungle Boogie, so I left it off. Um, But they used Comanche as the opening, and I completely fucking forgot. So uh, Lily, who said, I'll trust you on the music, is now about to find out her trust has been betrayed. So I walk out of the alcove, and uh, and there I see Lily with like, you know, half a fishnet and one shoe. And uh, (laughs) a... barking orders and pointing at people and smacking, you know, immigrants in the head. And uh, I'm like, what? I, I, I go, so I go up by Tim in the sound booth. And uh, that's where Lily is. Lily's already talking to Tim about something else. They're trying to figure something out with music and squaring it away. And I'm just standing there silently. 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 Uh, oh, that's wrong. I'm up there with Tim. I see Lily on the floor walking and yelling. And I give her I give her the little kid finger, the just the index finger where you go, mm-hmm. Like, you know, like... Come here. And uh, she walks up and I go, uh, I need you for a second. And she starts talking to Tim about something else. And then uh, she looks at me and she goes, what? And uh, <laughs> I said, uh, I forgot that they use Comanche in their dance. So you need, we need to take Comanche off of the opening show music. And again, it's down to the minute. So again, the opening show music's an hour. If we take Comanche out now, it's going to go to 58 and a half minutes. <laughs> or no, uh, yeah, 58 minutes. Because yeah. it was a little over an hour. 
So Lily goes, all right, fine. And I go, I can do it. She goes, I'll do it. <laughs> so she goes over to her computer and she clicks on command she and she hits delete. And she deletes the entire hour long pre-show playlist. <laughs> Gone. Gone. Off of her computer. Gone. And she goes, where'd the playlist go? And I go, what? I go, you deleted just the song. She goes, no, I deleted the playlist. I go, no, you didn't delete the playlist. She goes, I deleted the entire fucking playlist. What just happened? <laughs> I go, Lily, you were, you have to click the song. You, you were probably still on the playlist and it deleted it. And she goes, fuck. Now, I will tell you this. I would lose my mind because I would not know anything at all about recovering or not know where it goes or what happens. But immediately goes, God damn it. And I go, well, wait a minute. Maybe she goes, I got it. And she just goes up to the top and says, undo, edit, and I'll the yay, woo, bling, the playlist reappears <laughs> like fucking magic. And then she, and I, because I started to get sick in my stomach. I'm like, oh, no. I'm going to have to just take the microphone and hum for the entire pre-hour show because now the playlist is gone. And again, if you, I don't know if you remember, folks, we're not repeating any music. So uh, she makes it reappear magically, and then she deletes Comanche. And here's my favorite part. Like, again, I'm freaked. I'm like, it's it's gone and it's back. And I'm like shaking. I want to sit down. It doesn't even phase her. She goes, oh, fuck. She takes it, deletes Comanche, looks at him and goes, all right, the open now is at 58 minutes. 58 minutes. That means you start the opening music at 8.02. And he looks at her and she goes, 8.02. You don't know. Trust me. You don't know. And he just goes, I got it. And she walks away. And he looks at me, and I go, 80210. Let's fucking walk off. I, I just, because I, I, I'm so scared. I thought the playlist was gone. I don't even know how she fixed it. But she goes, you started 802. And he goes, all right, great. And she goes, 802. He's like, yes. She walks off. And then she walks down the stage. goes, Eddie. She starts barking at somebody else. Uh, so I go uh, into my little alcove, and I wait. And I just wait for the show to start. Uh, and then they start arriving a little late, but people are arriving and then there's, uh, it's kind of light and I'm like, it's going to be weird. If there's only like five people here. It'll be strange. People start coming. People start coming. People start filling up. Tarantino's assistant shows up. She mentions he might be running a little late. So they want to start the, the, the music, uh, over a little bit. So I said to Lily, I go, look, um, do we have a contingency plan if they, and she goes, I already took care of it. They're putting five songs and they're wedging them in, but the five minute alarm will still go and you're still on for the five minute alarm and then your songs will still end it. So don't worry. Walks away. Everything's, everything's, I should have known better. Seriously. Business Lily's on the case. So, uh, and my favorite part is she's in her complete costume for her first act. So she's wearing this immaculate, amazing, beautiful red dress. Her face is completely crazy made up. Her hair looks beautiful, but she's just sternly fucking giving orders. It was awesome. I mean, it was, you know, it's pretty hot. I'm not going to lie to you. So and it, it's that whenever she's performing and she's in her crazy outfit, and then, then she's giving orders, and it's like, ooh, this is kind of neat. Uh, so she's walking around doing all that in order and people want her to do. So uh, I'm in the alcove, and people are being seated, and then I hear, like, kind of a commotion. Uh, and I look out, and... Uh, force of nature quentin tarantino has entered the room and uh, when i tell you he comes in and i see him and it's he's not when i say force of nature i don't mean like he's like hey i'm here and he's like richard simmons force of nature weird i mean he walks in and everybody knows he's there he's not loud he's not yelling but he comes in and he basically greets everybody and goes to everybody individually hugs them shakes hands how you doing what's going on everybody every one of his guests is getting that treatment he goes table to table he walks in the room and it's not even like he's receiving them he's going to them 
he's like, thanks for coming. It's so good. Blah, blah, blah. He's really friendly and nice. He's greeting everybody, hugging them and, and, uh, and just happy. This weird hurricane of happy. He walks in the room and, uh, and it's that thing where, uh, it's the, you know what? I got the same feeling from Jesse from rock sugar. No matter where he is, that's the place to be. It's like in Fast Times at Ridgemont High when fucking Vic Damone is telling the rat. He's like, whenever you walk into a room, be like, yeah, isn't this great? Wherever you are, that's the place to be. That's how Jesse was, and that's how Tarantino was. He walked in, and he pretended like he was at fucking the, you know, film festival in, in Venice already. He was at the Oscars. It didn't fucking matter. He was there, so it was the greatest place to be. And that vibe was infectious because then everybody in the crowd who had been kind of sipping drinks and quiet and just kind of there, all of a sudden, it was a party. He walked in and he was a goddamn party in pants. And he was like, yep, here we go. And, and the second he walked in, that was it. The night took shape. And, uh, and, he, and he wasn't drawing attention to himself. He wasn't crazy dumping drinks on his head or like that kind of lampshade nonsense. He was just there and that was enough because his fucking charisma vacuum it sucked everybody in and made them want to enjoy themselves. Uh, you know what he was like? He was like human air freshener. Like literally, he walked in and the entire complexion and tenor and smell of the room changed. It was just like, ah, this is great now. And, uh, and I saw him and I, I, you know, I'm not going up to him. I am absolutely not approaching him. I'm not talking to him. Nothing. Uh, I'm waiting to do the show. So I hear the five minute warning. He sits front and center. They reserve the, you know, Lily reserve for Quentin Tarantino right in the front. And, uh, I get up and I, I take the microphone and I, uh, they flash the spotlight on me and I, and I say, you know, welcome to Inglorious Burlesque, the tribute to Quentin Tarantino, ladies and gentlemen, huge applause. And, uh, and I say, you know what, uh, you know, there's really only a one other person who could be hosting the show besides me. Uh, and unfortunately, he's sitting front row center <laughs> because he's the only one who's going to enjoy this as, as much as I am. Uh, I said, but I and I, I start to tell them that I how much I love Tarantino. And I explain, I say, you know what? <clears throat> From the first time uh, I saw opening night, uh, or opening day, I, I went, I read the review in the LA Times. I've told the story on here. So I said, uh, of Reservoir Dogs in the LA Times in 1991, I went and saw it. And Tarantino goes, 92, actually. <laughs> and the crowd lost it. The crowd goes bananas. <laughs> because I said 91. That's how nervous I am. I fucking chili dipped the release date of Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> I said, when I saw it in 91, and he goes, 92, actually. And I go, what? Because I didn't exactly hear him clearly, but I did. But I had to give myself a second to fucking recover. And he goes, 92. Came out in 92, actually. And I go, yeah, but I saw it in 91. And, and I go to talk. And he goes, what? And I get a big laugh. And I go, yeah, I saw a screening in 91. They wanted to make sure it was okay to release. And I said it was fine. So anyway, and he goes, you're the guy. You're the guy. I said, I'm the green light guy. I, I'm the one who got it in theaters. So anyway, and uh, nobody else is laughing. I will tell you this. I, I, I. I I do that and I got to laugh, but then he laughs. He hits the table. He laughs so hard. He goes, "You're the guy," and he fucking hits the table. So I tell the story about when I read the review in the in the paper uh, about, and I said, "Look, you know, honestly, I didn't know anything about it. All I saw were the words violent and Michael Madsen, and I'm there." <laughs> and uh, I, I'm telling this anecdote to silence. The rest of the room does not give a shit. They don't care about what I'm saying. They don't think it's funny. They're not willing to give me any inch at all. There's only one person in the room who's fucking laughing their ass off and loving what I'm saying, and it's Quentin Tarantino. 
He's the only one. He's fucking dying. He's hitting the table. He he keeps talking to me as I'm doing the, my act. And so <laughs> I talk about dogs and I tell that story. I go, you know what? And it carried over to Pulp Fiction. Here's how crazy I was about Pulp Fiction. Uh, I was going to see Pulp Fiction opening night in 1995. And uh, he goes, 94! But I had done it on purpose to fucking get him to say that. So I go, 95. And he goes, 94, actually. And I go, oh, 94? I, I was actually in a coma for a year. I saw it in 95. Anyway... <laughs> Because I wanted him to talk to me again. again. And he fucking huge laugh. He fucking pounded the table and he goes crazy. And basically, I'm doing a show for him at this point. No, because nobody else cares. They're all sipping their drinks with their nose in the air waiting for tits. And I recognize that. But then I start to tell the story about being in Peoria and, uh, and how I'm laughing like, you know, De Niro in Cape Fear and uh, the people are getting ready to leave. And, and I'm starting to get them. They're starting to laugh. They're laughing. They're laughing. And I, I'm talking about and I keep dropping in lines from the movies. Like, I keep being stupid and, and doing it on purpose, and he's laughing every time I do it. Anytime I reference the movie or any typical small thing, uh, I do it. So, um, like I said, I was laughing like the Nero in Cape Fear. I mean, there's, you know, behind the people smoking a pack of red apples, laughing my ass off, and he fucking, he, because again, red apples are the cigarettes he invented for the movies, whatever. And he's laughing at everything. He gets everything, and even if he doesn't, he wants the room to have a great time. I mean, that's who he is. He wasn't there to be like, hmm, perform for me. He wanted it to be fucking awesome. And uh, so he was so encouraging and great. And he, he carried me through it because nobody else liked me at all. And I kept saying that. I go, dude, thank God you are here. Seriously, because the rest <laughs> of these people fucking hate me. And, of course, that would get a big laugh because I've, been, I've had many crowds like that where they're just not giving it up. And then when you reference the fact that they're not giving it up, they laugh their asses off because you, they realize that you get it. But they, they're not willing to come along for the ride. It pissed me off. I mean, I, honestly, I wish they would have given themselves over to me in the beginning. Uh, but he did. It didn't matter. It's like, literally, I'm doing a show for him. And that's all I cared about. And he's laughing his ass off, and I do my set. And I, uh, So the way I closed it out was I said that the people uh, got up to leave, and they looked at me, and they said, you're awful. And I said, uh, so, Quentin, 15 years later, that's the message I bring you from the people of Peoria, Illinois. You're awful. And that got a huge laugh and huge applause. Uh, so I saved it late. I saved it late. And I said, you're awful. And he goes, and he goes, all right. And, uh, you know, very Jim Morrison. All right. And everybody claps and goes crazy. And I go, are we ready for burlesque? And uh, they go, yeah. And I introduced the first act. And the first act was our friend Lily, which was smart because it gave her a chance to clamp her iron fist around the rest of the night, get her thing out of the way. And also her number is fucking amazing because she had told me, she was like, I don't want to go first. It looks egotistical. And I go, you're going first. You know why? Because you've got fucking streamers. You've got blood. You've got Hitler. You've got everything that you fucking need. In addition to huge, you know, a huge rack. I go, it's you're, you're fucking hot. And the fucking show is great. I mean, all the girls are great. All the girls are hot, but you got to start it off with a bang that says Tarantino. You got it. Cause in her routine, she fucking it's from from uh cat people in in inglorious bastards and she actually has a hitler she has a guy playing hitler and he comes on stage and he's watching a movie eating popcorn and she dances around him gives him basically a lap dance gives hitler a lap dance while she strips <laughs> banging film canisters together on the way to the stage with the beat from cat people the fucking entrance is amazing and then when they say put out the fire with gasoline she throws streamers in the air to indicate the fire out of the crowd the crowd goes fucking crazy then she dances all over Hitler, takes her clothes off, and then she cuts his throat and then draws a swastika on his forehead with lipstick. Ho ho! Are you fucking kidding me? Guess what? The brakes are out on this car and we're going fucking downhill the rest of the goddamn night. There's no stopping. I said, you've got to go first. 
She's like, all right, I hope it doesn't look too egotistical. It didn't. It looked like something that opened the show fucking hard, and, and they stayed at that level and went up. It was fucking great. And he went nuts. When she, here's the thing. I watched, all right, I watched him the whole fucking night. I'm not going to lie to you. Like a girl in the bushes, just like you know, tittering, <laughs> biting my nails, staring at him. As, uh, uh, you know, because I didn't want to, I was trying to keep myself from tackling him and blowing it, honestly. <laughs> And, uh, and she, he's, when she went, to, you know, when she cut the throat and everything, because everybody loved it, but when she went to draw the swastika, because he, he caught it ahead of when she did it. She opened the lipstick because she puts it on her face, and then she bends his head back. Once she bent his head back, he did this move, like he puts his hands to the, to the stage, like, of course you're going to do that. <laughs> and sure enough, he looks at his assistant, and he's like, huh? And then she draws the swastika on his fucking forehead, and then she throws his head back and looks at the crowd. Place goes bananas. <laughs> fucking Bananas. Awesome. He's having a great, he's pounding the table, drinking, fucking amazing time. And I'm going up in between acts and I'm vamping. And uh, uh, I talked about, <laughs> I talked about when I saw Grindhouse, like every time someone would come up from a movie, I would reference what I did for the movie. Like for Jackie Brown, I saw it twice on Christmas Day. And I, I mentioned also that I saw, uh, I said I saw Grindhouse in a room full of nerds at uh, the Man's Chinese Theater at midnight. And I, why am I calling them a room full of nerds? I'm in there with my fucking Mr. White action figure. <laughs> And I'm like, who wants to go get a taco? Do you want to go get a taco? Who wants to go get a taco? Me, you, and Frank McGar. Let's go get a taco. Because Frank McGar is the thief that Mr. White used to work with in Reservoir Dogs that no one would know except him. And he's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. He's hitting the fucking table. He loved me, goddammit. I didn't care about anybody else. Literally, I'm doing a fucking show for him. So the first act continues, and people are dancing. They're doing their... And it, it's going very well. It's it's really good. The dancers are doing good. Uh, Mariella Lamode went up. Scarlet Letter went up and did a fan dance. Because that's the thing. is like... There are pop culture references in what Lily did, and then there's just classic burlesque, which is what Scarlett did. She did a fan dance from Sin City with the theme song from, you know, from Sin City, and uh, had silver makeup on with a black one piece and the fucking two black fans, and it classed the joint up. It was like fucking amazing. Every dancer was outrageously good. They were so good. And then we get to the final act of the first, or final uh, routine of the first act, and I know what it's going to be, and I can't wait. Uh, because it's Lux LaCroix and Vixen Violette. And it's like I said, they use Comanche and Jungle Boogie. And what it is is they're dressed up as Vic Vega or Vincent Vega and Jules Winfield. They're behind a curtain. Nobody can see them. Okay. At the tease, it's different because when they enter, they get a pop. But this time, they're behind. Nobody knows what's coming. So I mentioned Pulp Fiction. And I, I say, you know, these, you know, ladies and gentlemen, da, 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 and I mentioned, you know, Lux LaCroix and Vixen Violette. Curtain goes up. And Lux LaCroix has a fucking afro and a mustache painted on, and they're both in the, the black suits, and they're just standing there with their hands at their waist. This place, the fucking roof comes off. They go crazy, and then they do the dance to Comanche, and it's all a, a synchronized dance where they're dan- doing the same dance moves with each other, and then it kicks over into Jungle Boogie, and they shoot. They have a gunshot noise, and they spray blood on one another. They turn around, and when they turn around, they got blood all over their shirts and faces because they just shot Marvin in the face. They play the dialogue snippet. They go, oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. They turn around, there's blood all over him, and the place... Up for grabs a second time. They strip out of the bloody clothes and they're wearing the outfits from the backyard after Harvey Keitel gives them the hose bath. <laughs> Literally, Vixen is wearing a UC Santa Cruz, the banana slug shirt. She's wearing it. They're wearing the same clothes. Once they reveal those clothes, the pl- then that's it. I mean, it brings it up. It's a third pop for an act. I mean, that's just three different hoorays. I mean, it was insane. And uh, they close the first act. They finish and the place is up for grabs. And I go, dudes, intermission, you know, whatever. We're, let's go. And, uh, fucking intermission comes you can just see these people looking at each other like they can't believe how great it is they can't believe because that's the thing is that you know who knows what you're gonna get it's hit or miss but not tonight it's fucking hit and uh intermission plays with the great music that i chose i should tell you yes sure of course 
and I know what the first act of the second sh- uh, of second act is going to be. And uh, they're behind the curtain. I'm waiting. And uh, I introduce it. The curtain comes up. And it's Red Snapper and Mr. Snapper, and they're dressed as Mia Wallace and Vincent Vega, and they're going to do the twist contest to You Never Can Tell by Chuck Berry. And the place, again, erupts. And that was it from that moment on, because it was great. It was going extremely well from Lily on. But then when Vixen and Lux came, it just, because they were drinking and it kicked in, it was like, a, you know, an hour in, and uh, and that and it was a fever pitch the rest of the way, man. Fucking Isabella Starr went up and did a dance from, you know, Kill Bill, and they went crazy for it. Bobby Burlesque fucking crushed it out of the park. Everybody was fantastic. And then uh, the closing number was uh, Lily and Lavender LaRue and Dizzy Von Dam and Red Snapper and Mr. Snapper. And uh, they were doing Reservoir Dogs. And the thing is, they come up in the outfits again to the beginning of uh, Steeler's Wheel. They they get on stage. And then, right? No, or, little, uh, green little Green Bag. They come up to the Little Green Bag, like the, the walk in the beginning of the movie. And then uh, when they strip, eventually it tr- turns over into uh, Stuck in the Middle with You. But when they strip down, one's wearing yellow, one's wearing orange, one's wearing white. One's, one, I mean, it, there's a Mr. Blonde and Mr. Orange and Mr. White. And, but my favorite part was that, you know, I, when I got to introduce them, uh, I got to say, uh, you know, Lily Bunch Dove, Lavender LaRue, uh, Dizzy Von Dam. I go, our reservoir dogs, let's go to work. And I, and I went to go sit down and they fucking, it, it was, I was so happy just to be able to, again, to do, be able to do that. Um, and it was just, it was fucking magic. Uh, and I, you know what? I skipped something and I, I'm going to go back and tell you. Uh, after the first act, which was the twist contest in the second half, Lily, I, I don't know, was it you that thought of it or Eddie or you both? or? Uh, um, I wanted to do it and Eddie helped me put it together. This year, we did it on the 23rd at the Monday Night Tees. Uh, they decided to do Inglorious Bingo uh, because in Inglorious Bastards, Christoph Waltz does that line where he goes, "That's a bingo," and so Lily goes, "What if we played a bingo game? Like we actually gave people cards and we drew bingo balls and we played bingo in the middle of the night of the middle of the show?" <laughs> and I said, "Oh, okay. So I should tell you this: when we did it on the 23rd, uh, Lily, she made they made cards because she asked me. She goes, "What should be the symbols on the bingo card?" And so I gave her some ideas, and she had some of her own. And, uh, you know, we, it was like L Driver's eye patch. Is there any way you can put it on your Facebook page? It's on my Facebook. If, if you go to Lily's Facebook page, you'll see what it was. And they were all different. All the cards were different, except for one key similarity, and I'll get to there that. Were 26 different cards. 26, 26 different cards. ways to win bingo. Right. Okay. But, oh. but not really. Okay. There were 26 different cards. Oh, no, because you can win in the beads, you can win in the eyes. Right. All right. But well, I'm going to tell them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, so basically what happened was uh, uh, they made the, bi- the bingo cards and then they, uh, they got a dauber, you know, and they gave away free daubers and free bingo cards to everybody branded. on the 23rd. Okay, who's that? They're all branded for the show. Yeah, they were all branded. The they all said they weren't just like fake. Bingo. I mean, they said, you know, Inglorious Burlesque, they were, you know, uh, amazing. And the thing was, if you won, there was going to be a prize and the prize was buttons of the performers that Lily had handmade. She made fucking buttons. Made 575 <laughs> buttons. This was for the 23rd, okay? So she said to me that night, she's like, here's what you're going to do. She goes, you're going to draw the balls. No, here's what, All right, I'll tell you this. We rigged it, okay? <laughs> there were 26 cards because what we wanted, it was very important, was I, I was going to tell everybody, you, you know, she, she told me, just tell them that it, when it comes to that's a bingo, if they win, say they have to say that's a bingo, okay? Well, we had rigged it, so every card had 26 different ways to win, but I would... We knew the balls I was going to choose, and then we had rigged it so we knew what the last ball was going to be, and it was going to make everybody win, so then everybody could yell, that's a bingo. That's what we wanted. 
So uh, on the night of the 23rd, she told me, she goes, you know what? She goes, you can you can just kind of make fun of this if you want. You know, just go up there and just, you know, roll your eyes and be like, oh, it's pie, whatever the fuck. And uh, and I was like, why would I do that? Like, I, I, But she was just trying to, she was alleviating me because she knows that I tend to shit on stuff. So she's like, I, in my head, I'm like, why would I do that? That doesn't make any sense. So I wasn't sure it was going to work. I knew it was going to fucking work. I was, afraid, I was so excited. I was afraid people were going to be like, oh, fuck. It, she, to me, it's so you put up you put up self defense against that's what it was. But she put up a self defense mechanism. So uh, in case people shit on it, she had pre shit on it. But I wasn't gonna let that fucking happen. All right, I was not gonna let that happen. So Monday night the twenty third, we went up to do Inglorious Bingo, and I made it a thing. I mean, I we I brought Eddie up, and he had the balls in the sack, and uh, and I go all right, everybody, and I, I gave the big preference. I told him about Inglorious Bastards and Christoph Waltz, and that's a bingo. And listen to me, if you win, you can't just say bingo. You can't clap half-heartedly. We put a lot of effort in these fucking cards and the daubers, and if you win, there's a prize. I want you to yell, "That's a bingo!" at the top of your lungs, and I want you to mean it. I mean, like I completely, I did, I sold the shit out of it because it was important to me. It was important to Lily, and I knew it was great. It was a great idea. So uh, we sure enough, we did it, and I pulled out, uh, you know. What it was that I would pull out first of all? There was like a strudel. Yeah, it, uh, we didn't. It wasn't rigged. Without we only had five balls that I was going to pull out, but the last ball was rigged. The last ball was going to be the ear. It was going to be Mr. Blonde's ear, and that would be the trigger that everybody would fucking win because the other balls would all fall in line with the twenty-six cards, whatever. So am I? Am I telling yeah, this wrong? Sets Tell me. everybody up. Sets everybody up. Everybody was waiting for the ear. Yeah. By the time we got to it, everybody just needed the ear to win. They didn't know that because they all had different cards. So uh, I'm pulling out, you know, I pull out the key lime pie from Natural Born Killers. I pull out the strudel with the creme fraiche from, you know. And the thing is, the pictures were so cool, but you had to explain because someone's like, I don't have a strudel. I'm like, well, it looks like a burrito with sour cream on it. <laughs> oh, got it. So Eddie and I were having a, a lot of fun with that. We were just, we were telling people what it was, what it looked like. We were showing them pictures and helping them out. This is the night of the 23rd, I should tell you. Okay. And the bingo's going very well. And then uh, finally, uh, I pull out the, uh, the ear. And I say, and it's the ear from Reservoir Dogs. And the whole bar goes, that's a bingo. Like they all yell it. And then they start laughing because they realize they've been had. <laughs> but it was exactly what we wanted. It was this huge response. Everybody yelled at a whole bar because they were all excited. They're like, I'm about to win. I'm about to. Oh, all I need is the ear. And then I pulled the ear and then everybody won. And they're like, oh, we all won. And sure enough, everybody got buttons. It was great. So cut to the night of the Tarantino show. We pass out the bingo cards, and we go, it's time for Inglorious Bingo. And I actually leave the little alcove, and I get to go on stage. So now I'm in front of the room. So I'm comfortable. So I go on stage, and I bring Eddie up, and uh, we pass out the cards, and Tarantino is so excited. He's like, oh, I need, give me two. I want to play two cards. So he's like, he's playing. He stands up, and he's got a dauber, and he's standing. He's literally standing up waiting for the balls. He's right in dead center. I'm looking right at him. He's so excited. Everybody's got their bingo stuff, and I'm and I'm doing my shtick, and I'm selling it hard, and I go, look, you got to say that's a bingo. I go, I don't want to hear any half-hearted Hollywood bullshit. I don't want you to clap. Nobody's silent. Everybody fucking yells, that's a bingo. Whoever wins yells, that's a bingo. And they're like, oh, yeah, whatever, that's fine. Tarantino's, all right, that's all right. You hear him, you got to yell. Like He's, he's backing me up. So I started pulling the balls of the creme fraiche, and nobody, there's this woman, a blonde in the front, and she, I mean, everything I said, she goes, I don't have that. We're like, you have to have it. It's on the card. So we would have to show her the picture so she could match it. She was out of it. And uh, finally, the third time she couldn't get something, I go, have you ever seen pastry in your life? Do you not know? Because there was a key lime pie and a strudel. Like, she didn't know what any of them were. And I, I'm just, we're showing them to her. And I'm, I should tell you, uh, at this point, I'm killing. Like, because they yeah, were, then they're right. with me. Because I'm, I get to be, be funny and me and, and kind of vamp and insult and have fun. 
uh, and Tarantino's laughing. He's hitting the table. They got their dauber and da da. So we get to the setup, and I hear the buzz. Everybody's like, "I just need the ear. I just need the fu- uh, come on, the ear, the ear." They're yelling. People are yelling, "Just the ear, just the ear." And I'm re- and every time I would reach in, uh, I would pull out uh, a thing. And I should tell you this, all right? I pull out one of the pictures was a Royale with cheese. So I reach into the bag and I pull it out and I go, "Oh, this looks like, folks. This looks like." A Royale with cheese. And everybody goes, oh! And then they, they go to mark it on their card. And Tarantino's, I got two of those. And he marks it. And I go, uh, hey, Eddie. I go, that's a Royale with cheese. And I go, folks, that might look like a quarter pounder. But let me tell you, it's not a quarter pounder. Do you know why? And, uh, and, people, and Eddie, goes, Eddie says, why? And I go, because we use the metric system. We wouldn't. And Tarantino goes, no, what the fuck a quarter pounder is. He says it with me. He says it with me. I said, we use the metric system. We wouldn't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is. He says it at the same time as me, looking at me, pointing at me. I'm on stage. He's looking right at me. And he goes, we wouldn't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is because he's celebrating himself. He's like, I'm so fucking cool. And I'm like, yes, you are. God damn it. He said it right with me, looking in my face. With Tarantino, I got to say, I got to say a line from the movie in his face with him. God damn it. How am I still alive? Literally, I should have gone black guy and run away. I should, at that point, I should have just, it was so cool, and run. So we get to the final one. People are yelling ear. They're going ear, ear, ear. They're yelling. And I reach into the bag, and I look at it, and I go, oh, Eddie, I don't, Eddie, what is this? And I milk it. People are like, what is it? What is it? And I go, I don't know. I just, I might have to, that looks like Marvin Nash's ear. <laughs> That's a bingo. Everybody, Tarantino yells it. And then he see, they see that everybody won. And they're just like, oh, and they fucking, Tarantino's high-fiving people. <laughs> like, they're so excited and happy. And they're just like, woo. And, I go, and I'm like, there's prizes. Hold on to your cards. There's prizes on the way out, man. You got you to hold on. And, and it doesn't matter because the place is up for grabs. They're excited. They won. Daubers, fucking bingo. They're having a great time. There's still show left, folks. <laughs> there's still goddamn show left. And then they did. They saw it. They saw the dogs. Dogs finished. I mean, it was just Tarantino. Fuck. Once dogs finished, standing ovation. I mean, everybody, the entire building is standing and yelling and, and fucking pounding their tables and chanting and just going crazy. I mean, I and it was fucking fantastic. So I, I said the thing at the end. I, I said, you know, I did the curtain call. Uh, you know, Hitler takes the stage. Everybody takes the stage. <laughs> curtain call was long because there's a billion people. Uh, and at the end of the curtain call, everybody's up on stage. They get to take their bow and wave one at a time. And they're all up there en masse as a group. And I, and I said, folks, my name is Mike Schmidt. Thank you so much for being here for the command performance. And thank you, Quentin, for, for arranging this for everybody. And, uh, and the show ended. And right when the show ended, Tarantino stood up. And usually people, give, you know, the girls leave the stage. It, once Lily came up on stage, because she's the last person, because she's the producer who put together this fucking amazing event, she waved and then she leaned forward and like waved to Tarantino and he pointed at her and he clapped for her. Like he stood up and pointed at her and clapped like he couldn't believe it. And then she went in the back with her cast and they all took their bow. And usually when the show ends, then everybody kind of dissipates. Well, everybody, the show ends, the music, the after show music starts, people go to dissipate. And Tarantino goes, no, 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 no. And he goes up on stage and he goes, I want pictures. So he gets in the middle of everybody and they just, everybody starts taking pictures. Chris takes pictures. Everybody has their iPhones out taking pictures. I mean, it was like. It was so great because the girls are in costume and in makeup and everybody's taking their pictures. And uh, uh, I mean, it was just fantastic. Just the feeling and the fact that he went up on stage and wanted to do it. He wanted to meet everybody and touch everybody and just be like, this is so great. And he turns around and he does this pose. You can see it on my Facebook page and on Lily's. And he just got his hands out like, can you fucking believe this is all about me because I'm the greatest? And it's like, yes, I can because you are the fucking greatest. 
and people are taking the photos and uh and he's and i will tell you um i did not get in the photo on purpose because it was about the girls it wasn't about me and i wasn't happy i because i wanted to kill and i'm an idiot i'm in my own brain and i you know i'm gonna meet him i'm, I'm believe me he's not getting out of my fucking sight <laughs> But the pictures are about the girls. I mean, he doesn't want a picture with me in it, for Christ's sake. Uh, but then Eddie, uh, Lily's boyfriend, Eddie, looks at me and goes, get up here. And uh, so I did. So I ran up at the end. And uh, I, I'm in some. I don't, we haven't seen any with me in them yet, but I'm pretty sure They're I'm in a couple. Yeah, I'm in a couple photos, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, and then it's people. He's thanking the dancers and stuff. And then uh, he's about to go party. And uh, he's not getting away from me at that point. So uh, I walk over and I step right in front of him. And he turns around. Big guy, by the way. He's probably he's about as tall as me. Yeah. And uh, I lean in, and he leans in, and I shook his hand, and I just said, uh, "I just have to tell you how important you are to me, and how much you and your work both mean to me. I mean, I I wouldn't be who I am without it." And uh, he said, "You are fucking hilarious." And I said, "Well, you helped." And he goes, "You didn't need my help. You were fucking great. That was just fantastic." And uh, I gave him the bro hug and a fucking handshake and let him go. Uh, and, uh, it was just to be able to meet someone who's influenced you, just to be able to meet somebody who means so much to you and be able to tell them what they mean to you. It's like when I met Eddie Van Halen, to be able to meet Eddie Van Halen and go, dude, I played your music at my wedding when I walked in with my wife. That's how much you mean to me. And, uh, to be able to hug him and have a fucking 10 minute conversation. Uh, and, uh, just, it was the most successful night ever i mean it was unbelievable i i the high i was on from san francisco the previous week was going away i was because now, now the work starts where i have to make the show into a real show i have to whittle it down there's a lot of things i have to do so i won't be on uh, the buzz was starting to fail me a little bit but man sunday just brought it right back to where i was like i felt like i was in the entertainment industry i felt like i was in the business you know what i mean i felt like that there's a future in this and and i know lily felt the same way i mean it's amazing for you it was the, it had to be the greatest night certainly of your burlesque producing life right absolutely yeah. it was and he fucking hung out with us for two hours and talked. That was the thing. Is he I... went up to every performer and was like, oh, my God, I loved this, and that was amazing. And, you know, you chose that song, and I can't believe that you used the donut. And, oh, my God, it was so hysterical when you did this. And, I mean, you know, I said to him, I said, to be able to perform it for you was fantastic. To be able to perform it for you with half of the people who've made films with you was fucking phenomenal. That was the thing. Is There they were producers all, they there. Knew it. They all knew it, and, yeah. and it was just, oh, fuck, it was awesome. Yeah, because it was a night celebrating all of the stuff they've worked on and all of the stuff that they know by heart. And, and quite frankly, we were celebrating the guy and the material yeah. that gave them all their position in the industry, yeah, essentially. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the producers, a lot of the writers, a lot of the people that were there are there because of him. And he's backed their projects or he's been involved or he's personally chosen them. And so it was a celebration of everything that's made them what they are. And uh, and it was pitch perfect. I mean, it could not have been better. It was it was fantastic. The only thing that I will tell you, my one disappointment is I had to leave. I, I unfortunately, <laughs> uh, again, had to leave and go sit at a graveyard desk and stare into space and go, did that just happen? Did that really happen? Uh, and then I found out afterwards that Lily hung out till like 1.30 in the morning with Tarantino. Eventually, it's just her, Eddie, Tarantino, and another guy. And uh uh, Elvis Mitchell Amazing. and she and they gave him uh, and then they signed a baseball bat and they all gave him an autographed baseball bat for his collection and uh, it was just fantastic it was so great to know that Tarantino's got that you know bat with all the signatures on it and uh, it was fantastic I mean it just it couldn't be stopped you know what I mean so uh, to be able to to see to, to see a live interpretation of something that I love so much to be enjoyed but the guy who's created things that I love so much and to realize how far we've come, because you know what? I sat in that room. I saw these people celebrate 
everything that has made them what they are. And I saw a guy that I love and a guy who's created everything that I love and a girl that I love put on uh, an amazing show for a guy who's so important to me. And, uh, and you think, you know, 60 years ago, people around a fucking 10 inch box watching an old man do (laughs) sit-ups. The more things change, folks. You guys can get me at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. That's Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You guys can get me at Twitter.com slash The40YearOldBoy. You can get me at Facebook.com slash The40YearOldBoy. You can follow our friend Lily, who is the most successful burlesque producer in Los Angeles, at Twitter.com slash LilyVonStup. You can find her at Twitter.com slash MNTs. Uh, and you can be your friend at Facebook.com slash LilyVonStup or... If you want to write her a heartfelt note and congratulate her for what was truly the best night of her life, go ahead and write her a note at lily at burlesque411.com. That's lily, L-I-L-I, at burlesque411.com. Zazzle.com slash 40-year-old boy. Please buy all his stuff. Hey, folks, I don't know if I've mentioned this. There's a show called The Monday Night Tease. <laughs> it didn't make sense to say I'm going to remind you folks because I always say that. I want to remind you, I just gave a fucking hour-long love letter to the Monday Night Tees. Uh, every Monday night at the, sure, I'm sure you do. Monday night at the three clubs at Santa Monica and Vine. Every Monday night is the Monday Night Tees, 10 o'clock p.m. Hey, Lily, who's there this week? We have the Wild Wild Breast Show. Wild Wild Breast. Jack Dagger and Texas Max are going to be doing knife throwing and rope tricks. Listen to me. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to stop you right there. Jack Dagger and Texas Max. Yeah. Folks, you don't need to know anything else about that show. <laughs> Except to know that the awesomely named Jack Dagger and Texas Max are in the house. Jesus Christ, Jewish cowboy and a fucking knife dude? How are you not there? Jack was just on uh, Discovery Channel's How They Do That, and he was like the knife thrower on it. That's great. He's been on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Knife throwing is awesome. I mean, he's been on a million things, and he's like, he teaches all all over the world. He's like the number one knife thrower. Good. So Jack Dagger, Texas Max, and a bunch of West uh, women, like Uh, a a crazy... Wild, wild yeah, breasts. Yeah, old westerns, uh, cowboys and Indian stuff. Are you performing or just hosting? I am not. I am actually just working the door. Oh. I am so tired after. Sure, <laughs> yeah, you've had you've had a couple of weeks. Oh, uh, all right, well, good. That'll be fun. So go see the Wild Wild Breast Show with Jack Dagger and Texas Max. Jesus, I wish I was going to be there just to see them. <laughs> I, like, literally the rare show where I don't care about the girls. I just want to see Jack Dagger and Texas Max. That's awesome. Uh <laughs> So remember, that's at the Santa Monica uh, and Vine intersection. That's the three clubs every ten, uh, every Monday night at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Got three clubs. That's the Monday night tees. Uh, remember, burlesquebears.com. Go pick up burlesque bears for you and your friends because you want slutty teddy bears in your house. Lily hand makes them just like she hand makes every costume for the Monday night tees, which I think I've mentioned. <laughs> so get burlesque bears from burlesquebears.com. I want to remind you folks to go to the Zazzle store and you can pick up a stripple shirt or a mouse pad or mugs. And uh, Mex and I are brainstorming some other stuff. Who knows when or if that will happen? We don't. Uh, um, remember, you can pick up the year one and two download sets via MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Go to the Joe Business page and go ahead and do that. And if you want to just go over there to the MikeSchmidtComedy.com and donate to the show, that would be great. Uh, when you do that, again, you're supporting me and you're supporting Lily and you're supporting Max, who does all the artwork for the show. So go ahead and contribute uh, and donate to this show. That would be fantastic at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Up in the upper left-hand corner, there's a little Schmitty with his empty pocket. Go and fill those pockets with plenty of dough. And... Uh, 
next week I will uh, uh, mention the donor because I've had a lot of donors. I, it's been very cool. And um, I, I mentioned some on the first episode. We'll get to some next week. And there's actually a couple who've donated that sent me, you know, for the emails that I have not thanked yet because it's been kind of a whirlwind with San Francisco and Tarantino and all that. But the next two days, and I also tell you, it's also, <laughs> all right, I'll just say this. Um, with Karen home, it's odd because I'm up all night at Graveyardville, like I said, and there's no internet there. So I can't access and answer emails and answer stuff like that. And then I come home and I might have an hour or two window before she gets up. And then I can't exactly be sitting on the internet doing, because I can't concentrate. I'm not good at it uh, when she's making coffee and doing whatever the fuck she's doing. So I have to go to bed. So I go to bed and I sleep during the day. And then when I get up, I have to spend time with her. I can't exactly go on the internet. I'm an idiot. And it's, again, it's <laughs> 75% me avoiding work, 25% blaming it on her. But that's, so I owe a lot of people emails right now for, thank a lot of congratulations for San Francisco and stuff. Uh, and I, there, I was swamped. I mean, there was a lot of people who emailed me and Twittered me. And so I will be getting to those in the next three days, hopefully getting those taken care of. And you will hear from me. So thank you. Uh, I want to remind you folks that you can join the Westside 86 Jokers fan club at Facebook. Uh, our friends Adam and Leanna and KC and Hannah and everybody else over there who's uh, taking care of business. And uh, go ahead and join. I, I'm slurring there because, you know, I talked a lot. Jesus, I talked a lot, folks. Uh, so go ahead and uh, join up for the Westside 86 Jokers. The link will be on my Facebook page if you've never seen it. Uh, I want to remind you folks that uh, Rob Matsushita is our good friend. Rob Matsushita is a guy who has gone ahead and uh, done the trailer for the show. He's going to be doing more trailers eventually, I hope. <laughs> he said he would. Uh, you can go to ClaymorePictures.net and keep up with all the stuff that Rob Matsushita's got going on, included Wasted Youth, which is the film that he's written where he's directed it with uh, Will Gardside. Uh, they each did one half of a double feature. His half is actually called uh, Wasted Youth. No, his, his half is called The Girls. Wasted Youth is the actual film. Uh, so that's at ClaymorePictures.net. And please remember Chapel is the running web series he has about the female drug dealer. Uh, stars our friend Emily, Phil, Emily Mills as Chapel. So uh, Chapel the Series has a Facebook page. And Rob is having a contest where the 200th fan on the page will get a character named after them in Chapel the Series, and then that character will be massacred. <laughs> that character is going to die horribly. So uh, if you've ever wanted to be completely eviscerated and murdered by proxy over the Internet, go be the fan of, of Chapel and try to be the 200th fan on the Facebook page, and, uh, and then hopefully you'll be 200, and then uh, your head will get cut off virtually. <laughs> your virtual head will get cut off. Uh, so go ahead and uh, patronize our friend Rob Matsushita at ClaymorePictures.net. Now, there is one more uh, plug that I'm going to get to. It is important, folks. Please make sure that you know that this one is important. September 10th, Friday, September 10th at 8 o'clock p.m. at Crackers Comedy Club in Broad Ripple. That's in Indiana. This is for all the people in Indiana or anybody who can drive from there, people from Chicago. Uh, comedian Hank McGill is a, a guy that I actually worked with a long time ago. I haven't seen Hank in a real long time, but I was sad to hear that he is, uh, he's battling esophageal cancer. So they're having a benefit for him at Crackers Comedy Club in Broad Ripple. Uh, tickets are 15 and $20. Again, the, uh, there's a silent auction as well. Bidding will start on that at 7 o'clock p.m. I think the show itself is at 8 o'clock. I'm not sure, but get there early because you want to get there for the silent auction and drink and uh, donate, do whatever you can to help our friend comedian Hank McGill. Um, you know, he's, he's, it's tough, man. I mean, you all, we all know that. We're all, and we're all struggling. So if you're in Indiana, go to the benefit for Hank McGill. I will tell you it's at a comedy club, and usually when they do that, they have comedians. And uh, there will be plenty of comedians there, special guests, all sorts of people coming. But I will tell you that headlining the show is uh, Bob and Tom favorite and a uh, close personal friend of mine, Jimmy Pardo, will be there headlining the show. So go ahead and check out Jimmy Pardo headlining at Crackers Comedy Club in Broad Ripple. That, I mean, dude, that's worth 15 and 20 bucks uh, on its own. But knowing that you're going and, and seeing Jimmy and also helping out our friend Hank McGill would be great. I will have a link for this up on my Facebook page because there's plenty of stuff you can do. You can actually donate stuff for the silent auction. Uh, if you if you know a T-shirt vendor, there's all sorts of stuff. Comedians, if you want to sign and donate your CDs, if you want to just mail a check, there's an address. 
um, you know, I will go ahead and put all of this on my page. And uh, it's our friend Heidi is a listener to the show. Heidi has uh, been a friend, or I should say just a listener. You know, she I consider her a friend because she listened all through Never Not Funny, was supportive then, and she followed me over here to the 40-year-old boy. Uh, still a fan of both shows, very complimentary and nice. She actually, when we did our first Never Not Funny live show, flew out from Indiana. Came out to actually be here live because she knows Jimmy a long time, and then I was happy to make her acquaintance. But Heidi is uh, kind of the driving force behind this for Hank. So if we can all take care of Hank, that would be great. I'll put the link on my Facebook page, and any donations you can make, if you can go to the show, or even if you can send anything via PayPal, whatever you guys can do would be fantastic. Hank's a good guy, and he needs our help. So let's all take care of him. And in the true spirit of being podcast Jack the Lane, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, I want you on your backs, and I'm going to take you out. We're all going to do sit-ups to finish this show. Are you ready? (laughs) I want your feet planted firmly on the ground. I want your knees in the air. Folks, are you ready? One, two, three, go. Sit up and back and up and back and twist and back and left elbow and twist and right elbow to knee and twist. Doing great. peddling obscenity. I am going to get a whole fucking army of you people, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to listen to me and then do nothing for an entire fucking week. I can't be trusted. Don't you people know this? It was like the back to the future of suck. I don't want to have a boner in somebody else's pants. I need to shoot up heroin and jog. <laughs> hey, ass fuck, are you listening to anything that I'm saying to you? Fuck, somebody's got to shut that old guy up. And I'm like, fuck you! I'm not a potato! I'm a goddamn cantaloupe! Hi Mike, hi Mike, hi Mike, hi Mike, hi Mike, hi Mike, hi Mike.